0: Group. It's going to be a good
1: night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio.
0: A land of strange rituals, The savage horrors, of fearsome mutated beasts from the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power now! At last. The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence, based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. foolish unto you. Something evil. Not recommended for impressionable children. Not that
2: movie. <laughs> no.
3: Oh, Nicholas Cage. Uh, I love him. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, it's almost, this is our last show in September, so it is almost uh, time for us to really kick spookiness into high gear on It Came from Cleveland. That's Michelle's job and my job, um, and, and Joe's to a certain degree. And of course, Miles keeps the horror grounded to uh, <laughs> the horrors of humanity. Um, And uh, (laughs) welcome to the show. Uh, Very excited to uh, continue on the way we've been doing. Uh, Michelle, of course, you're going to be talking about more Haunted Locales tonight. Very excited about that.
4: Oh, oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Resurrection Mary and the Devil Baby of Hall House.
3: Awesome. You know what? This is so cool. Uh, the, I was going through uh, the, our, our backstock of VHS the other day, and I found something from TLC Video, and I looked it up. And it's available on, uh, it's a VHS tape, but it's like in generic packaging, and it just says Night Visitors, well, there's a documentary on YouTube that you might want to look at called "Night Visitors." Look up "Night Visitors" documentary on YouTube, and it has some really weird haunted locales, like a haunted prison, and uh, there's like a cave where they think a witch lives and stuff—really crazy stuff. So, oh,
4: very cool! Yeah, yeah. So, I found a, I found another one of my haunted house books too, so I'm nice. ready to go for Halloween.
3: Awesome, awesome. <laughs> So and uh, of course, Joe. Looking forward to uh, the weirdness of uh, Umbrella Academy season two. Oh, and it gets weirder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, and Miles, of course, uh, this will be part three of. Uh, I say it. I say it wrong. It's y- uh, Yamato. The Yamato, right?
1: Yes, Yamato.
3: Okay. So, uh, yeah, part three tonight, and
1: uh, the uh, the the last hurrah, right? This is her last mission. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, she sinks. <laughs> Oops.
3: Womp womp. Uh, and, yeah, so uh, in keeping with what I've been doing uh, the last few weeks, uh, I've picked a genre of horror that I really like. Uh, we've talked about cannibals, we've talked about uh, zombies, we've talked about... Uh, what do we talk about? I forget all the ones we've talked about already. Um, but uh, the, tonight, I want to talk about cosmic horror. Because this is probably my favorite of the genres. And there's so much that can be incorporated into cosmic horror. It, it's really the probably about the hardest... Uh, to define Michelle of the uh, the horror genre, because it, but it, you know, it's cosmic horror. It's kind of like porn. You know it when you see it, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, it can be very ambi- ambiguous if you don't know the actual, uh, W- what it draws from. So yes, yeah. I can I can definitely say that.
3: So essentially what, what what we look for in a cosmic horror film is really going to be hard for me to to explain what the bound the boundaries are kind of limitless with it. And that's what's really terrifying about it because it draws largely upon things that we cannot comprehend as with our puny little human minds, like, you know, uh extra-dimensional beings that don't share our Uh, physics or values or (laughs) you know
4: and things that cannot be named
3: yeah things that cannot be named colors that cannot be described uh you know uh, uh uh forces that cannot be reckoned with uh often most often um uh cosmic horror is very fatalistic there's i am there are very few cosmic horror movies that have a happy ending i i if there are any i don't know it <laughs> you know you can even
4: say the mist is cosmic horror
3: oh it's on my list it is absolutely on my list uh, uh the mist is on my list when i turn out the lights <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Um and uh yeah and, and Stephen King obviously is drawn a lot from this and of course HP uh, Lovecraft it was kind of the architect of cosmic horror um where it's you know the mingling of super science beyond our comprehension black magic to pull it into our world or again you know it, that's a that's a heavy aspect of it is occultism and black magic tampering with forces that they shouldn't mess with and then everybody dies
4: because <laughs> yeah, even even D and D has that aspect. It has yeah. you know your demons and devils and your gods, but there were things that existed in the universe before they existed. Yeah. And you know they you don't want those things to come back, and that's thing, that, yeah. that's a running thing through D and D as well.
3: Things long buried, things that should not be mentioned, things that are you know or just awful, horrible, um,
4: ancient evils. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> So, I picked one uh the first one the, the oldest one that I have is from 1986 and of course the masterminds behind uh Reanimator uh and you know which you know has a certain level of cosmic horror in its own right. Um a movie called From Beyond which has some stellar uh visual effects and of course uh this movie has Jeffrey Combs who is uh, a huge um, you know, uh, just one of those actors who shows up in a lot of Lovecraft stuff. And of course, he, you know, was in The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox, uh, one of Michelle's recommendations. Uh, also, Ken Ferrey, uh, you'll know from uh, Dawn of the Dead, many other things. Um, and of course, it was uh, directed by Gordon Stewart. Gordon Stewart has been doing a lot of uh, really great films. Well, I'm sorry, he passed away a couple of years ago but uh he did uh you know tons of great films uh, uh, some um he did honey i shrunk the kids i didn't know that um but uh he, he's a hu- he was a huge lovecraft fan he did hp lovecraft's death uh or dreams in the witch house uh which i have not seen but uh yeah from beyond great movie with crazy visual effects uh it's gross it is nasty this isn't for uh the squeamish you know there are not a lot of the movies that i have on the list are like explicitly gory or gross this one is and uh but here you go here's the trailer from 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 beyond
5: every journey begins in the mind (laughs) a flight of imagination a vision of what might lie across the universe... Catherine, run! ...or within the deepest regions of the subconscious. Dr. Edward Pretorius is about to embark on such a journey.
2: It's out of control. You've got to turn it off! Something's...
5: coming.
0: What the hell is that? I'm going. Kiss you
6: know, <laughs> <laughs> let it happen, Crawford. <gasps> <gasps>
0: Oh, such easy prey from the makers of reanimator from beyond
3: yeah very moist sounding trailer too it is it is uh it is very squishy <laughs> to... well
4: he's very squishy at a certain point <laughs> oh
3: yeah yeah there's uh there's some really wa- i mean i i i didn't see it um until uh the, la- the last couple of years michelle and I was really impressed with the visual effects. Uh, you know, like reanimators fun and everything, but some of the visual effects are a little bit hokey. This one they kind of pulled out all the stops on for it. So it was uh, uh, quite a film, quite a film indeed. But you know, uh, that
4: that pine pineal gland stuff. Ew.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. so you know, un- unlocking, you know, uh, and that's another thing too is like unlocking uh latent abilities that you know we haven't had since you know we were you know crawled out of the primordial stew as it were you know things like that you know just there's again so many different elements i was trying to explain you know talking to susan because she was like kind of curious like what exactly makes something cosmic horror and it there is nothing exact that makes it cosmic horror except that it's Again, something outside the realm of you know what we know as you know the world around us that you know it's it's not just like uh, you know um, Frankenstein or or Dracula you know or you know uh, Freddy Krueger even Freddy Krueger you know you could maybe make an argument that there's a little bit of a element of cosmic horror to it Hellraiser for certain. Um and uh, I do have the trailer for the new Hellraiser coming out in a few days, Michelle, on Hulu.
4: I can't wait because it's gotten rave reviews, and even um Doug Bradley has said he is absolutely in awe of the makeup.
3: Yeah, uh, the, there's a couple new Cenobites in there that I was like, oh god, no! Uh, I mean, and, and that is the new
4: it, Pinhead is amazing.
3: Yeah, and that that one they call the mask. Have you seen him?
4: Not yet. I've been oh, trying to stay god. away from it. <laughs>
3: oh dear god uh, i just saw a picture and i was it, it's yeah it's uh but yeah the new pinhead looks great and all the other centibites are, are just you know it's just creepy 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 uh but yeah perfect example if you want some uh cosmic horror um you can you know check out the new hellraiser um Now, uh, this is one that I would venture to say uh, most of us have seen. Joe, you might not have seen this. It came out in 1997. Much more um, on the sci fi end of cosmic horror. Great movie for fans of like Alien and, um, you know, maybe even 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, Movie with a great cast uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, uh, Event Horizon uh miles and michelle you guys have seen this one right
4: i have definitely yes, yes. yeah
3: yes I have you seen s- it. Oh, okay you've seen it joe great movie mm-hmm. perfect example of cosmic horror where this derelict ship uh has left our universe went into another one and became something else and truly truly horrifying stuff and that's that's the kind of largeness that, you know, we, we we're talking about with, with Cosmic Horror. So uh, here's the trailer for Event Horizon from 1997.
7: At 0300 this morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting a two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. orbit.
8: This is incredible
1: event horizon she's come back event horizon is the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster than light flight the ship doesn't really go faster than light what it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously
0: from one point of the universe to another light years away where has she been for the last seven years doctor That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... We're 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared, I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned.
1: Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back. Alone. Captain America! I've got some
0: problems here! beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been? And what it's brought back with it. What is that?
8: What is it? This ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. Uh
2: What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? I have such one thing to show you. Oh my God! It knows my secrets. It knows my fears.
3: Vacate, I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't, she won't let you. She won't. Yeah, not sure how well you guys heard that. It should have made that mono because I was hearing a lot of the dialogue in my right ear, so I don't know how well that came through. Um but uh really, really slick movie. This the special effects were really great for nineteen ninety seven. Uh watching the trailer, I was like, Yeah, you know, I, I think that deserves a rewatch uh, pretty soon because it, it's been it's been a very long time. I think uh, I, no, I, I think I bought it on VHS uh when it came out i didn't i don't think i saw it in the theater but great film great film
4: yeah i haven't seen it in a while and it has one of those classic lines in it that you know when you hear it you don't want to have anything to do with it you know it's like <laughs> we have such great wonderful things to show you and that yeah. and when you hear that line you say nope going the other way
3: <laughs> no 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 and And, of course, you know, uh, I, I was just thinking about this uh, uh, stranger things, of course, Joe. a uh, very, very cosmic horror uh, uh, show. Um, oh, yeah, you know, digging into, uh, you know, of course, the upside down is exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about a place that has, you know no physics, no morals like we have, you know, it's it's completely, you know, just a, a, a something ancient evil and and foreign to all of our understanding of how things work. Right. Um and uh and I I just and again that that kind of unsettling movie or TV show is, is really I guess that that's the that Stranger Things is probably the closest thing that's causing cosmic, cosmic horror that's had any semblance of a happy ending, you know, from time to time, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know how it's going to end. Um no. But uh, now another movie, I'm sure uh, I, all of you might have seen this before. If not, I, I find this one, um, this one kind of skirts. Uh, it, it, it it's totally cosmic horror. It, I mean, it and, and it has elements. If you're a fan of uh, of um uh, it, um, uh, Hellraiser, uh, this is a good one for you because it has a lot of vibes, kind of like that. And it's a little movie from 1998 with an incredible cast. Uh, you'd recognize Rufus Sewell from uh, *Man in the High Tower*, uh, Joe, uh, Jennifer Connelly, William Hurt, Kiefer Sutherland, and Richard O'Brien from *Rocky Horror Picture Show* is even in it. And it is a little movie called *Dark City*. Uh, great film. I did put this one oh, in yeah. mono. I did put this one in mono, so you should hear the trailer pretty good.
0: different from them to shape our memories we have much to do to take away all that makes us human it is time
5: who are they answer me
0: but one of us knows their secret you saw something didn't you i don't think the sun even exists we are running out of time. It's no escape has the power to stop them.
3: like my top 20 favorite movies of all time uh because it is so stylish and so sleek and it has elements of film noir in it um and and it truly they they described the way the the story is told uh in dark city as a spiral and it feels like it uh you know i've 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 seen this movie like i don't know 20 30 times and i have the disc that has all the cool bonus features on it and the commentary i've I've listened to a couple times um and they really really put a lot of thought into the filmmaking uh, of this and um it was directed by the guy who did the crow right um uh i gotta uh, look that up but uh, uh joe have you seen dark city i did oh okay cool cool so great movie great twist um, you know, it's like Planet of the Apes level twist at the end, you know mm-hmm. and um I like, like you said, the film
9: noir aspect of it
3: yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, neo Noir sci-fi is how they describe it um and uh but yeah, in the cast is just incredible. I, I always forgot I was this is one of those movies I'm like, God, I forgot John Hurt was in that, you know. Um, but, uh, it is, it is masterfully done. It was, uh, directed by Alex Proyas. And yeah, he is the guy who did, uh, directed The Crow, iRobot, Knowing, and Gods of Egypt. So, uh, two, one of those movies is good. Uh, The Crow.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I like them all in certain ways. Gods of Egypt.
3: Sideway review. Gods of Egypt sucks.
4: <laughs> it was but the, the effects were great. So
3: Yeah. Uh iRobot Yucko. Um Yeah, but
4: but I think with Dark City though, they take the men in black, you know, image and twist it in such an amazing way too, to to mm-hmm. mix it in with the with the with the horror feel of it. And it's yeah. it is a spectacular idea. I yeah. just I love that, you know, coming in and stealing your life like that.
3: Yeah. And, you know, this is, this really, I mean, it has a a lots of good twists in it. Um, but you know, the, the ultimate, you know, uh, the, the big twist at the end is, is just like, Oh, that's so cool. And, um, yeah. And, you know, and I love that, but it in, you know, so this is, uh, it is cosmic horror, but without, without, you know, there's no elements really of black magic or anything like that. Um, but uh it's kind of like uh you know dark super science uh, pretty much um
4: well remember when science is advanced enough it seems like magic to people who don't understand it true so there you go
3: uh but yeah fantastic movie again one of my one of my all-time favorites um you know top 20 films for sure um uh but uh yeah so let's do one more before the break And I think if we're going in uh, order, yeah, we're taking a we've got a nine-year jump, uh, two thousand. Oh no, is yeah, yeah, nine-year jump to two thousand with the mist, of course, based on this short story by Stephen King, and a different ending from his story that was approved. That Stephen King actually said he liked the ending of the movie uh, you know, the way they changed it. So that's, that's pretty cool. But Thomas Jane in 2007's The Mist.
5: Whoa. Mom, Dad, you gotta come see. The us the so bashed. You just gotta, come, come on. Whoa.
0: Having spoken, the them say departs.
9: <laughs> Why don't you get Billy dressed? I'll take him into town with him. Hit the store before it gets all bought out. How do you
8: folks hold up in the storm? Big insurance, day. Sorry to hear that.
6: What's going on? It's death.
0: Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! The only way help ourselves is to seek rescue. Tie this around your waist? Or four? Or let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there, nothing in the midst. What if you're wrong? Then um, I guess that job would be on me.
4: It is time to take sides. Read the good book. It calls for blood.
0: Guys, I hear something. Are those bugs? Not like any I've ever seen. The entire front of this store is plate glass.
2: with up there. I thought that there were other dimensions. They wanted to try and make a window.
8: Well, maybe your window turned out to be a door. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know. Who's she's gonna sacrifice to make it all better? We want the board. You try it. Kill
3: So, uh, obviously, the very earthbound, claustrophobic kind of cosmic horror going on here, you know, again, very very much like what happens in Stranger Things, opening a, a, a portal to another world and letting all the strange nasties who don't give two shits about us, uh, you know, run rampant. Whole bunch of people cooped up in a grocery store. There's an ultra religious woman who thinks they need to sacrifice somebody to make them go away. <laughs> yeah, we That's... just
4: covered her as a birthday uh, a, a month or two back. Yeah, oh, she was that... one of our birthday people. Yep.
3: Yeah, her uh, name is uh, Marsha Gray Harden, right?
4: I think so. Yeah, yeah, she she plays a really good kook. And this yeah. story is, uh, even the, the short story, I mean, the story it's based on is amazing. It is yes. so creepy. And but the ending of the movie, it's heart wrenching. It oh. really, really is. <laughs>
3: it's just like a, it's
1: just a kick to the groin. Um, that that was the biggest horror part for me for the movie is when religious mm-hmm. people think they know the answers and begin applying them <laughs> non scientific methods.
3: Yes, yes, exactly. And um, <clears throat> but yeah, you know a lot of great character actors in this movie. So uh, uh, Ken Whitwer, uh, Andre Brower, you'll recognize. Uh, from a lot of different things, Laurie Holden, uh, Jeffrey DeMunn, um, yeah, and and of course, Thomas Jane, great actor, I love Thomas Jane, he's been in a lot of really great stuff, Uh, of course, he's in The Expanse, uh, was at least in the first season or two, I think, Uh, I I stopped watching after season two, just because I stopped watching for some reason, Um, but it's something I'll revisit at some point, but uh, yeah, all right, well, I'll tell you what, we got to get going to the break, so uh, Michelle, uh why don't you go ahead and set up who we have in our first birthday trailer break
4: yeah let me get the uh, notes out real quick i'm sorry Note okay down. we have a fun little trailer break right now because we have some people that we really love in this trailer break um the first one you won't we probably won't recognize but her name is tiny phoenix born september 24th 1980 in Durban Natal, South Africa, she is in a fun uh, Wesley Snipes movie called *The Gallo Walkers* from 2012. I like it; it's kind of like *Blade* in the Wild West, so it's kind of nice. fun. Um, then we have a, a tragic loss to all of our all of our hearts: uh, Phil Hartman, born September 24th, 1948, in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. Um, he played a vacuum spook auctioneer. In uh, over six episodes, I think, of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo from 1985. And then everybody's favorite Jedi. We have the amazing, talented Mark Hamill. Born September 25th, 1951 in Oakland, California. And he is the new voice of Chucky in the remake from 2019.
3: Very cool. So uh yeah, but uh well Brad Dorf is back though on the Chucky TV series. I don't think that yes. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna follow up the Mark Hamill one, but you know, still cool. But anyway, here we go. Uh happy birthday, everybody. We'll be right back.
1: Most times when you bring a man to justice, the X swings the noose titans. That's it. Out here, they come back hard.
0: The way I finish them, rip out their heads.
8: You remember me.
0: You know him? never forget the man
5: who kills you for the first time. First time is always special.
0: We die, we come back, and you call us gallow walkers.
8: It's a goddamn miracle, ain't it? That good, or was that a lucky shot?
0: Lucky for you. So now I owe you? Now you owe me. You got a job in mind? Yes. Now if you cross his path again, he's probably gonna you.
6: Thought
8: you wanted me dead. Yeah, mm, dead ain't what he used to be. They know who I am.
5: So now they will come.
2: It was a mistake.
5: You don't make mistakes. You want him to come. To finish it here, where it all began. He's got the one thing that a gunman needs to be great. No reason to live.
0: Come on, I don't know how to be dead. No one taught you how to live. This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever opens this chest of demons will release 13 of the most terrifying ghosts upon the face of the earth. Let's get
5: him, Bogle. I'm with you. you,
0: Only you can return the demons to the chest. Why yes. Because you let them out.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo.
3: WonderCon, it's Mark Hamill here, and if you're wondering who's going to
0: voice Chucky in the new Child's Play, you're looking at him. I can't wait to bring such an iconic character to life and present him in a way you've never seen him before. Child's Play this summer, we're going to have some fun. And remember, he's more than just a toy, he's your best friend.
5: Something's wrong with Chucky!
8: this move has been really tough but this is supposed to be a new start for us remember you said you were going to try to make new friends
0: buddy can connect to and control all of your caslin products and smart home devices introducing your new best friend
5: And I need you to believe me. I think Chucky did something.
10: Andy, if you know something, you
0: better tell me.
8: Something's wrong with Chucky
0: buddy can connect to and control all of your
8: cameras. Chucky is a toy.
5: He could be anywhere.
0: Welcome to Kazzle and Carve.
5: We have to stop him. <laughs> him. Good night, Andy. And you feel the love
3: all that Chucky love
4: <laughs> I didn't mind the movie but as I said you know I love Brad dwarf, dwarf so i prefer him as Chucky because that had supernatural aspect to it yeah this new Chucky was like a killer cyborg gone wrong type yeah. thing you no know, technology gone wrong so I didn't care for it as much but I'm glad they had a different voiceover actor for it. So,
3: yeah, you, you know, know it's good. Good, they tried it, you know, they tried something new. Uh, but you know, I, 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 uh, you know, appreciate, uh, you know, um, the fact that they went back to the original, uh, mythology because they spent so much time building that up in all those different movies. Oh um, yes,
4: and of course I love Jennifer Tilly too. So yeah, there
3: you go, she's awesome. Um, and of course, welcome back. Uh, thank you, Michelle, for that. Welcome back, and uh, welcome, welcome back to you, Joe. Say hello, hello. Ready to get all cosmic horror-y again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. And, uh, Miles, uh, welcome back. This is uh, obviously probably some of the, the, the more appealing horror-type stuff to you. So, uh, oh, uh, Chucky? No, no, no. Cosmic horror, what I was oh, talking yeah, yes, about yes, yes, in yes, the yes. prior segment. Um, uh, yeah, so, um... Uh, rolling right along, I'm going in order, I'll save, uh, whatever, uh, I have for last, well, I might pick and choose, because I've got a lot. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the 2000s, uh, have been rife with, um, cosmic horror stuff. I mean, people are realizing, you know, it's fun to make, you know, you've got guys like Benicio Del Toro, who, uh, integrates this kind of stuff into his films, And, um, and then we've got, you know, again, more sci-fi kind of, uh, films, uh, one from 2013, which I was really excited to see. Uh, I, I, waited for it. I remember, uh, when the trailer came out for it and then as soon as it hit Netflix, I was like, yep, there it is. And this is called the Europa Report from 2013. This is oh, yeah. yeah. This is a good one. This is a lot like you know Event Horizon. Um, you know, I was thinking about it, even the black hole, the Disney movie, the black hole. That's that's got a lot of cosmic horror in it too. Um, yep. You know, uh, you know, there's there's a you know. So this it's it's kind of a pervasive, um, uh, subtle uh, way to to you know add something into a movie um but uh yeah the, the europa europa report from 2013 great movie of claustrophobia in outer space with again something unknown and horrific t-10 9
8: eight, good morning seven, i'm very we are all very excited to be here today this really is a new first step for mankind ignition.
5: i would hope we keep looking for the answers to
2: those really tough questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? And are we alone?
5: Internal
0: cam check is a go. Alcroft was heading for a moon of Jupiter, known as Europa. Yeah, my boy's gonna be six when I see him again. He's so gonna proud of you. Auction is flowing, we're good. commencing egress is Navigate Clear of Jupiter's orbit.
8: Pitching for power descent. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on. Here we go. I can't
6: believe I'm here. This is incredible.
8: Our best hopes of success lies under the ice. Let's
10: go for a swim. You hear that?
8: Are you guys seeing this?
0: It's beautiful. Come back to the ship now.
8: I want to see if it's reacting to my lights. I'm going to turn them
0: off.
3: Bad idea.
8: Compared to the breath of knowledge yet <laughs> to be known, what does your life actually matter? No one at home knows we're
0: alive. We'll find a way. We have to. We got a problem. It's everywhere. Close the lock. I thought I was trying to do something great for mankind. I always said it was worth the risk. i get you out of this. Talk to me! Forgive me.
3: Yeah, that movie's terrifying.
4: <laughs> yeah, because what, what could be more claustrophobic than a spaceship? Because you can't go anywhere.
3: Uh, yeah, that or a submarine.
4: You yeah, know. you're stuck. You're yeah, that and a submarine. Yeah, you are stuck completely. You kinda like the thing, you know, out there in the Arctic. You can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know?
3: Or a grocery store surrounded by giant Lovecraftian beasts. So. Well, that,
4: that's 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 a whole special instance of
3: yeah. luck. Oh yeah. So uh so Joe, this is one you've seen. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's a really good. It's really well made. Except I, I don't think you should go for a swim. No, no, definitely not. Um, now, uh, in in Miles, is this one you've seen? Uh, Europa Report? Uh, no, it is not. Okay. Uh, I think you get a kick out of it. It's it's a pretty good uh, sci-fi uh movie all around. Uh, but again, you know, cosmic horror lies waiting. Uh, now there's a, this one I found uh, on Netflix a few years ago, uh, from in 2017. We have a couple that came out in 2017 that I really enjoy, and this one is called The Endless. Now th- this draws some inspiration from uh, probably like Heaven's Gate and uh, you know some of the other like Doomsday cults uh, out there, um, maybe a little Jonestown here and there um but it, it, this is what this is the kind of cosmic horror I like where there is some kind of cult um you know so trying to to draw on you know use use some form of black magic to tap into this you know these unknown horrors uh, it, it, that's always really fascinating to me and that's why I like that that movie I just saw the empty man so much because it's probably the best example of of that and i want to try and get to that trailer here but this one uh have you seen the endless michelle yes yeah great one and of course it has you know uh, somebody gets a videotape in the mail joe <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know something creepy is going on but uh yeah this is this is a good one uh it's probably still on netflix i'm not sure but uh here it is uh, the endless from
2: 2017.
6: There is a house.
0: that they were all going to kill themselves. That's why we left the cult. They sent us a
7: video.
4: Whoever's watching, I just wanted to say the Ascension is something that we've
8: all been looking forward to. We couldn't be happier.
0: I want to go back. One day, one night, we come straight back. Good to see you, too. What the Dickens brings you all the way out here? Just thought we'd visit while you're, uh, here. We're always here.
4: I used to make a lot of your clothes, you remember that?
0: They're all in like their 40s, they just look young. It's weird. I come back now. The video you sent. What video? How is that possible? No, what runs all this. You go find it. Woo. Who's next?
5: We can't go back to our lives knowing that there's actually
0: something out here. here. It doesn't let me sleep. It doesn't let me dream.
1: Oh, what? There's something down there!
0: If you let it control you.
7: It's going to control you over and over again. We're
8: all stuck in these things! We couldn't be
0: happier. 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 There's something out here, isn't there? Yeah, now this
3: movie uh, was done on a relatively modest budget, but uh, has some pretty stunning uh, visual effects in it. I had some great
4: set pieces too. I want the I want the metal sculpture of the dragon.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. Um yeah, and uh the, the this is just such good creep factor. Again, when you you ming- you mix in that new age mysticism and, you know, that edges into black magic and then the super science and stuff like that. And, um, and a
4: really creepy Indian rope trick.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was, that was something. Uh, I, I forgot about that when I watched the trailer today. Uh, but a relatively unknown cast, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead, David Clark Lawson, Jr. Callie Hernandez, not really familiar with uh, any of these actors. Um, but it was, uh, actually, yeah, the two lead actors, uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead were the directors and it it was written by Justin Benson as well. Um, but, uh, you know, really, really creepy, really trippy movie. And, uh, you know, the, the cult is a UFO cult. So, you know, again, the whole heaven's gate thing, when that happened, I was, captivated early days of the internet looking at their website oh I, yeah <laughs> i printed out like every page of their website in fear that that it was going to be taken down i still have it somewhere <laughs> you know but they still operate that website and it's exactly the same there are two people out there uh who survived uh, survived the heaven's gate cult that maintain the website which is creepy in and of itself
4: it that, that is weird yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, I've watched some documentaries about that and that's, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, that's, that's like, uh, it, just terrifying stuff. The, the, to, to try and to think, uh, just to think that way, it's just messed up. Um, but, uh, yeah, from the same year though, I was so happy because we got two really great uh uh cosmic horror movies. One this one is much more in the uh vein of of the the Lovecraftian kind of gory uh stuff. Uh fans of the thing would probably enjoy this movie quite a bit. Uh or, or fans of uh you know maybe the Alien franchise. Um uh, this movie is called The Void. There have been several movies called The Void. Uh this one came out in twenty seventeen and uh it is It is freaky. I can see it all before me.
7: You won't get far.
6: Where'd you find this guy?
7: I need a copy of Code 3 and I need assist.
0: Remarkable.
7: They did killings and sacrifices. It made people change.
5: Nothing else matters, it not real. It's, not real. it's not real. It's not real.
6: It's not real. This
1: isn't the end.
5: Statistically, you're more likely to die in a hospital than anywhere else.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. Talk um, about hooded white robes. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
3: yeah. And you know what's interesting is uh, one of the actors in this film, um, uh, Aaron Poole, who plays Daniel Carter in this movie, also uh, played uh, I think Paul in uh, the Empty Man from the beginning, uh, the guy who okay. fell down, fell down into the uh, chasm. Um, I'm not sure who, if, if the directors, but, uh, one of the directors, um, uh, from this, uh, this, uh, the Void had two directors, um, and, uh, where are their names? I just had them. And, uh, one of the directors directed Psycho Goreman. Uh, did you see that one, Michelle?
4: Oh yeah. We saw it yeah. when it came out. We that loved it. That was fun. <laughs>
3: So, um, yeah, Jeremy Gillespie and Steve Katansky directed, uh, this movie. Um, and, um, but yeah, so, uh, but I think I'm gonna, let's see, Now we have time for two more. Um, so, uh, where do we go? 29, no, 20, yeah, I'll save, I'll save Mandy for the end, uh, and, and go to, uh, uh, the other Nick Cage movie, The Color Out of Space, which is yes uh, based on the HP uh, Lovecraft story the same name. Uh, great adaptation. Uh, obviously Lovecraft stuff is really hard to adapt in its truest form because he was kind of a misogynist and never wrote women into the stories. Um, so they, they kind of have to be heavily adapted to have any kind of appeal so you can relate to characters and everything, because he just always had like, you know, a whole bunch of stiff lipped guys that, you know, ended up going mad by the end. Um, but you know, it, it, and, and, you know, for realist realism's sake, you have to have a cast that, uh, makes sense, (laughs) you know, instead of, instead of just a boys club, um, but yeah so uh color out of space uh 2019 great movie great performance from Nicolas cage and the rest of the cast
0: look at this all those years in the big city we finally got out we're living the dream
6: maybe it is a dream
1: Everything just blew up. Big flash, like a pink light. Or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before.
10: It looks like a meteorite.
5: You think it's radioactive? I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks.
0: How can something that big just disappear? Did you plant those? No. Ward!
7: You come here for a sec. Oh god.
0: What are you doing? Shh. It's talking to me. Who's talking to you? A man in the well. Yeah, great. It's in the static, it's in the moisture. It's in here, it's out there. And what's out there is in here now. Everything's under control. Oh,
8: here he- in denial, that ding from the meteorite changes everything around it.
0: It's just a color,
6: but it
8: burns. you believe me now?
1: I don't know what I believe anymore.
0: Everything's
3: gonna be a-okay. Yeah, no, no, not so much.
4: <laughs> but, but the alpacas.
0: Oh God,
3: that was horrible. uh But the uh, the cast. Uh, you heard Tommy Chong in there. Tommy Chong plays a really great character in this. He's kind of like the, you know, the crazy old guy who lives in the woods. Uh, which you know they, they did a nice take on it. He's like a hippie, you know, old hippie guy. Um, who's kind of in tune to all this through mind-expanding drugs and everything, that's, that's al- also something that plays into Cosmic Horror a lot of times, is mind-altering drugs, um, where, where somebody, you know, part of their mind opens up and, and is more um, able to tune into these cosmic, you know, uh, signals or messages or forces. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we saw that in Mandy, And of course, Panos Cosmatos's uh, other film, *Beyond the Black Rainbow*, um, which I've talked about before. Love both of those movies. Um, But uh, the the one that rattled me to the core, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of rushing, but I just saw this movie the other day. I got a recommended uh, a news article recommended this movie, and it is great. It is terrifying. It is. It has a new bent on uh, psychological, or I'm sorry, cosmic horror that I haven't seen before, maybe a little bit in Twin Peaks, uh, The Return, but not to the degree of this film. Um, I'll just say that there's, uh, the, I don't even want to say the word, uh, because it, it, you know, it could spoil it for, for somebody, but, uh, the, um, The plot involves what seems to be it, it, like when you watch the trailer and everything, you think it's gonna kind of be like you know a movie like a Slender Man kind of movie, where there's an urban legend kind of going around. But then you see other things going on in this, and uh, there's this really crazy alien skeleton thing, and you know, (laughs) just uh, all these other odd things, and there's a cult uh, and. And oh, it yeah. <laughs> just flipped the genre on its head to me for the top the, the subject matter and uh with the 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 lead character and everything um but it is it is truly gripping and uh messed, messed with my head uh by the time it got to the end I, I haven't my jaw hasn't like you know just hung open at the end of a movie like it it did at this one uh in a very long time. But uh highly recommend this one. The Empty Man from 2020. Absolutely do yourself a favor and watch this movie. Uh, there is uh, some gore in it, but uh, not excessive. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, no real you know, little body horror, but not much. But yeah, uh, The Empty Man, 2020.
8: Hey, wait we got to try it.
9: Try what?
0: Calling the empty man.
9: Who's the empty man?
0: If you're on a bridge and you find a bottle, you blow into it, and you think about the empty man. Oh, come on, Mandy. How old are you?
2: Tell him the rest. On the first night, you
0: hear him. And on the second night, you see him.
2: And
5: on the third night?
0: Well, on the third night, he finds you.
2: squirming his way into your
0: thoughts. Like a disease. (laughs) And his message is contagious.
3: Creepy, uh, and I think I want to rewatch it, but I kind of don't want to rewatch it because it's one of those movies. By the time you get to the end, you're like, "So wait a minute, what did all this mean?" And yeah. you know, I, I, again, I'm trying to be as tight-lipped as I can not to spoil this for anybody who might be potentially interested in watching it. But it is, it is a creep fest, and again, without you know, an abundance of gore or anything. It's, it's all mood and sound design and storytelling and acting and directing. It's, it's just done remarkably. And the, the, and what's great is in the beginning of it, uh, it, it it totally shifts gears within like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of the movie. It's like, you know, you're watching something completely different and then boom, it, it, they do a time jump and um when you start to discover uh things from the 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 time jump it's it's like wow wow they did this such a great job with that so and michelle you're yeah so you're the only person who's seen this go ahead and give uh, some thoughts on it
4: all i can say is don't go hiking in the himalayans and fall <laughs> in the crevice it would suck
3: <laughs> oh if you touch me i'll die
4: yeah, it, 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 <laughs> the way this movie presents itself, you think, okay, yeah, this is just going to be another, and it's not. Uh no. It has nothing with the Slender Man, nothing with anything like. uh, uh It uh, it follows. You know, this yeah. thing is just. It is a mind trip. It really, really
3: it, is. It is. It is. And yeah, uh, by all means, I. This is the one. If 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 you haven't seen any of the ones I've talked about on the list. The empty man twenty twenty. Uh it can be viewed on uh, I think HBO Max right now. Um I think that's where I watched it. Uh yes, gr- it's still on movie. HBO Max, yes, because I still so, have
4: access to that right now. Yeah.
3: Uh and you know, doesn't run super long. It's your average movie length, ninety minutes, two hours, something like that. But uh yeah, I, I you know, uh, it was it, it blew my mind. So anyway, um, we got to get going to the break because Joe's going to talk about Umbrella Academy. So everybody hang tight. We'll be right back. And uh, I've got uh, three more trailers that I'll uh, save for the end of the show, plus that new Hellraiser trailer. Oh, uh, we're excited about that. Um, and, um, yeah, so hang tight. We'll be right back. We'll talk Umbrella Academy Season 2 with Joe.
0: Ah, 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 ah. It's going to be
1: a good night! we came from Cleveland, Ohio! of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok. when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut
3: the power!
0: Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of you're invited. A few. I'll you. Something evil. I'm going to heal you from the future and you look like an alien. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. You'll be dead in seven days. Not we recommended for impressionable children.
3: Yeah, not the best sounding clip, clip. We'll all be dead in seven days. <laughs> anyway, welcome back uh, to the show. Yeah. Uh, fun cosmic horror stuff. Uh, Michelle, looking forward to uh more haunted tourism.
4: Oh we're gonna have some fun tonight.
3: And the demise of the Yamato uh, for Miles. Yep, yep. And Joe, alright, we gotta jump right into it. Uh we were moving on to yes. season two of uh Umbrella Season Academy. two
9: The Umbrella Academy. Well, where did we leave off? Well, um the events at this at the end of season one of the Umbrella Academy Uh, left uh, the family scattered in time and space uh, somewhere between 1960 and 1963 and somewhere around Dallas, Texas. And they've landed in various places around Dallas, uh, separated from each other. And Five, my most interesting character, arrives on November 25th, 1963, history buffs might um, <laughs> <laughs> notice that's a couple days after a famous date and discovers a world at war and on the brink of nuclear war. Uh, clip one is our trailer
6: yes, if you're right. what the hell
5: Was
1: that? The end of the world, November 25th,
5: 1963.
1: And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier.
5: First off, I want to say we brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh my God, again? My cult is going to be so pissed. I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday.
3: Everything in our new lives is connected from the plot to assassinate
0: the president. That can't be a coincidence.
5: None of us are supposed to be here, right? We know something changes the timeline. We have to make it right again. Before everyone and everything we know is dead.
6: Who are those guys? They're not here to sell vacuum.
5: The commission will hunt us down wherever and whenever we go.
2: spotter what is that like a wingman
7: you don't know anything about i know me. everything you are an open book written for very dumb children
5: <laughs> klaus it's been here no unfortunately ghosts can't time travel are you kidding me all right quick rundown luther super strength Klaus can come in with the dead allison can rumor anyone to do anything mm-hmm. except she never uses it i heard a rumor <sighs> you punched, yourself, you punched in yourself in the face
6: God
9: damn it! Wow. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Well, it seems that they made an attempt to make a time jump to avoid the apocalypse in 2019, only to take it with them back to 1963. Uh, Only this time, Doomsday is centered around the events surrounding the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. (laughs) Five, has to hunt them down in time to prevent the end of the world. Getting this family together, first of all, uh, spiritually is one thing. Geographically, it's another. Mm. Uh, Complicating his search, there are three albino assassins sent by the commission to kill them. (laughs) Uh, So where are they? Well, let's go one by one. Allison is married now, to a civil rights leader, and is having problems of her own. Her husband Ray is beginning to wonder just who she is, uh, as they take part in a uh, a counter sit-in that was common in the early '60s in the civil rights movement. That's uh, clip two.
8: Ray, you oh, made it. Thank God.
0: Sorry <laughs> I'm late. It's been a very interesting day. And, what's wrong? I got mean, bailed out of jail today by a very unique character claiming to be my brother and okay that,
6: that's
5: Klaus I, I can explain that
6: one
0: and then I come home to find the biggest white boy I've ever seen in my entire life standing on my front porch trembling like somebody's lost puppy and the strange thing is he is also claiming to be your brother Listen. that's
6: the stop <laughs> get your hands get
8: no
0: way in hell that a white cop is just going to walk
4: away because a black woman tells
0: him to. Wait, wait we, don't have, we don't have to do this. Come on. We
9: gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Come on. Who are you? Ooh. Who are you? He's rattled. Well, yeah, he was rattled, especially when that cop just walked away. Um, five finds Luther, who is now a bouncer in the nightclub owned by one Jack Ruby. Uh, and while it's nothing to do with Five's plan uh, in clip three
5: What's wrong with you I just told you the world's gonna end in ten days
2: yeah well you're always saying that
5: and so far I've been right look
2: you wanna go save the world knock yourself out alright I already got a job wait you work in this at home yeah well my boss owns the place I'm his body man was that, like, a little or something? Okay, you can make fun, all you want, but I take good care of Mr. Ruby. Wait, Ruby?
5: The Jack Ruby, the gangster who shot Oswald.
0: Yeah, the one and only.
5: Well, it finally happened. That gorilla DNA has taken over your mind. Hey, watch it,
0: all right? Jack's a good friend.
5: And you're number one, numero uno, remember?
2: There is no number one. Not anymore, not in 1963. Look, I've been stranded here alone for a year. What did you expect? I get it, all right? You watched Pogo die, the world exploded, and I ruined your big dumb
5: ass in time. I'm sorry, okay? But I'm asking for your help,
2: Luther. The Umbrella Academy needs- Doesn't need me. It never did.
8: Luther, honey, Jack's about to lose it on some half-wit. A little help. Oh, shit.
0: Luther, man. Wait, listen. You're the genius who said we should jump, right?
2: You're the one who got us stuck here. And you're the one who brought Vanya. So if there is a doomsday coming, she's probably the cause. And if I was going to do something about it, it sure as hell is not going to be with you.
9: All right. That's right. And Luther is right about Vanya because she's somewhere in the sticks suffering from amnesia and living with uh, a couple named Sissy and Carl Cooper. Uh, way in rural Texas, acting as a nanny for their autistic son, Harlan. Uh, She begins a romantic relationship with Sissy, which uh, riles the redneck husband, Carl. And in their attempt to escape him, Carl calls the police and Vanya uses her powers to fend them off. However, she's taken into custody and interrogated by the FBI. Clip four.
7: I'm a Special Agent Willie Gibbs to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Where's Ceci? I need to talk to her. Mrs. Cooper and the boy have been released back into the custody of Mr. Cooper.
10: What's your last name, Vanya? Hargraves. Do you have any ID that could attest to that?
7: No driver's license birth certificate you from around here no i'm i uh, I'm, I'm not sure you're not sure well i told the other officer i was hit by a car i have amnesia right yes amnesia they told me about that so how does that work exactly i can't remember anything from before a month ago except your name of course
0: yeah except my name
7: as far as i can tell it's like you simply Materialize out of thin air.
0: Welcome to my world.
7: Vanya. That's a Russian name, isn't it? I'm not Russian. But if you have amnesia, how can you say for sure? In fact, I'm curious as to how you know your first and last name, but you don't remember anything else. I don't know. I don't know. I... How did you send those three troopers flying across the room? I'm road sorry, road? I don't know. Hmm. You speak Russian. I don't. I, I don't, I. I must have just learned a little as a kid.
0: A little? I think you speak it very well. What I want to know is, how does a young woman who says she isn't Russian but speaks Russian end up working as a nanny to some simple-headed boy in the middle of nowhere, Texas? I need to make a phone call. I have the right to make a phone call, Donna. If there is one thing the FBI takes seriously, it is a communist threat to this country. I want answers. Real answers. And I will do whatever it takes to get them. not going anywhere until i find out
9: who you really are Ooh, intense well the problem there is uh you don't want to push vanya too far uh in that interrogation or she's going to lose her temper and you know what happens when she loses her temper she blows things up yeah big time (laughs) and um that fbi building is just a block away from dilly plaza the site of Kennedy's assassination. And an explosion of that magnitude at the time of the motorcade might cause the motorcade to flee and foil the assassination attempt. So somehow, Five needs to get some of the family to stop that from happening. Um, So Five has another problem with Diego, who's really a loose cannon, uh, who has landed in an asylum in clip
0: five. Thank you, Alan, for bringing that to the group. I think fear is something we can all relate to. Okay, who else would like to share? Anyone? Come on, who's next? Diego, you've been awfully quiet this morning. Just taking it all in, Doc. Letting all the healing shit wash over me. Last week you mentioned your father. How your whole childhood felt like some kind of experiment. It was an experiment. Hmm. Or did it just feel like an experiment? No, it was literally an experiment. Let's dig deeper. You say your father is a villain. Hell yeah. So you had to play a hero to make Daddy mad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a grown-ass man, Dr. Monk. Who still defies himself in opposition to his father, his dead father isn't really defining yourself is it diego yeah why don't you tell that to luke skywalker i know you don't get it but that is an excellent (laughs) reference who's the real diego i don't know i guess i've never known but i'm ready i'm ready to find out Okay. Quite time until lunch. You're so
6: full of shit.
0: Tears too much. He's all right through it. Oh, I totally eat that shit up. But even lunch you are wrong.
3: All right, there you go. Uh-huh.
9: Well, if I visits him and can't convince him uh, to not to try to stop Kennedy's assassination, that would throw off the timeline uh, in clip six.
0: I agree is you have a visitor. Oh, I ain't your secretary. Bye. Hey, Diego.
5: You look good in white. About time you showed up. How'd you know I'd be back? Because that's the kind of shit you pull. Where are the others? They're not with you. How long have you been here? Seventy-five days. Banded mm-hmm. in the alley behind Commerce and Knox. Knox. You? Yeah. I got here this morning.
0: How'd you find me?
5: Page 16. Disturbed man with multiple knives arrested outside 1026 North Beckley. That's Lee Harvey Oswald's house. Care to explain?
0: Let's just say Dallas law enforcement has not been supportive of my attempt to stop the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That's because it hasn't happened. Yet. And it's not going to happen. Not on my watch. Look, I'm sitting down the bars in my room Another day or two and I'll be out of this place Then I'm gonna stop possible. to save the precedent one in Say the word Listen to me very closely, you're
5: one. So we're not going to do a goddamn thing Why not? Because we have to stop the apocalypse No
0: shit, but that has happened for another 60 years
5: Not that
0: apocalypse, this is a new one Followed us I've seen it Nuclear war, Diego. Ten days. And I'm the one they locked up, huh? Fine, I'll play along. What causes it?
5: I don't know. Maybe some looney tuned asshole with a hero complex tried to save the president and screwed everything up.
0: So you're saying it worked? I saved the president? You know I can do it. Okay, okay. I'll help you. Thank God. After I saved I need swing us back a few decades so I can slay Hitler's throat off with a butter knife.
5: This is why you don't have any friends.
4: <laughs> this is why you don't have any friends. Yes.
9: <laughs> yes. Yeah, Diego is a bit of a loose cannon. Um,
4: That's why I my... love Klaus, you know.
9: <laughs> oh, well, we're going to get... Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Michelle, we're going to get to him right now, because Yay. I guess you're wondering... What about our favorite loose cannon, Klaus? <laughs> the flamboyant Klaus. Well, you will not be surprised. Uh what he's accomplished in the six, the brief time he's been in the 60s in clip 7.
0: Klaus, you started a cult. Cult is a very negative <laughs> word, and we prefer to call it an alternative spiritual community.
5: You definitely started a cult. We brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh my God, again? All of you knew. Why am I always the last one to find out about the end of the world? Oh my God, my cult is gonna be so pissed. Five, I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday. You know what can happen to cults when things go sideways. Lost not a cult. Alright, second of all, relax. Alright, I'll make sure there's no Kool Aid in there. Prophet, wait. Any last words of wisdom before you go? Oh my god. We're back again. Brothers, sisters, everybody sing. We're gonna bring you the flavor. We're gonna show you how.
3: Bring the flavor. Bring the flavor. Um,
9: and as if all this is not enough, five to handle, he has to confront his older self, who was sent to Dallas by the commission to make sure that Kennedy's assassination takes place to maintain the time continuum. He comes up with a plan to meet his older self in an attempt to get his time traveling suitcase so that the rest of them could get back to 2019 uh... but there's one big problem with the plan and i'll let him explain that in clip eight
5: i was sent to nineteen sixty three on a job by the commission to make sure the president was assassinated so wait your old self is out
2: there precisely what just walking around dallas
5: walking around dallas with a briefcase that can get us home.
2: Oh my god, Five, you're a genius.
5: However, there are two significant problems with this plan. Problem number one, I am a trained assassin, arguably the most dangerous assassin in the space-time continuum. If I know me, I'm not going to react kindly to bumping into myself. Problem number two, this is the real fine ointment here. You're not supposed to exist in close proximity to yourself in the same timeline side effects can be disastrous.
2: Side effects? What sort of side effects?
5: Well, according to Commission Handbook, Chapter 27, Subsection 3B, these seven stages in Paradox Psychosis are Stage 1, Denial. 2, Itching. 3, Extreme thirst and urination. 4, Excessive gas. 5, Acute paranoia. 6, Uncontrolled perspiration. And 7, Homicidal rage.
0: Homicidal rage? Yeah. Geez, I don't know, this maybe isn't
2: such a good idea.
5: It's a Hail Mary!
2: What choice do we got, Luther?
9: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, it's a Hail Mary! Uh, So Young Five and Luther meet with Older Five and present the plan to Older Five in Clip (sighs) 9.
2: This is nice, isn't it? The three of us, together like this. No somebody explain to me
5: how it is i'm having a pint of guinness with my younger self older actually i'm you just 14 days older i have pubic hair smarter than you how is that possible i can explain you see one hour from now on the grassy you knoll, before the president was killed you break your contract with the commission i already know you're thinking about it all those years in the apocalypse we never stopped worrying about our family well today you are going to do something to Today, you are going to attempt to time travel forward to 2019. However, you are going to screw up the jump and end up in this twibble body, trapped forever, small, pubescent, okay? Even if I wasn't supposed to do uh, about I thought I heard jump. that. No, no, I need you to jump. If you don't jump, I cease to exist. What I need from you is to jump correctly. I must say the first time through, I got the calculation wrong. That's how I ended up in this body. Now, I know the correct calculation. What is it? I'll be glad to tell you. In exchange for that briefcase you're holding under the tape.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you go back to 2019 as planned, but this time with the right math. So, you remain a full-grown man. In exchange, we get that briefcase that you no longer need.
5: Timeline restored. Paradox resolved. Everyone goes on existing happily ever after. Quite a bit to take in. What do you think? I think
9: I need to piss. Okay. (laughs) Well, they all set out for Dealey Plaza for the big moment. While Klaus, Allison, and Diego are able to stop Vanya from blowing up the FBI building... Things don't go so well with the old young and young five, and as older five enters the vortex as planned, the time traveling suitcase gets damaged, and it's now unusable for family to get back to 2019. Uh. And at that and at that moment, the Kennedy motorcade approaches Dealey Plaza, and as the others look on, five sees Diego running to stop the assassination. So. Will Diego change history and cause World War Three? How will the Academy get back to 2019 without a <laughs> time-traveling suitcase? And why are all assassins in the movies albinos? Uh, You'll goodness. have to watch. <laughs> You'll have to watch to find out. <laughs> That's season two uh, of the Umbrella Academy. You
3: got a clip 10. I do have a clip 10. Do you want me to play it? What? Yeah, play it. it. Says Diego. Oh, Diego.
7: Luther! Here he comes.
6: Kennedy's turning.
0: Look. There's
9: Dan. What are we doing?
6: What's...
3: Ah, there you go. Diego.
9: So, as I said, what happens? You'll have to watch season two. A lot of twists and turns, a lot of characters I left out just for the sake of simplicity and not to spoil too much. And um, I think you'll enjoy the Umbrella Academy season two. Did anybody see that?
4: Oh, yeah. Have
9: it? Yeah. No, not So next week, you haven't seen it yet? uh, It's okay. Well, you'll enjoy it. Cool. Enjoy, like I said there's a lot of twists and turns there's a lot of characters I left out and a, a lot of different things going on next week I'll do season 3 which is all the seasons we have so far and you know speaking of cosmic horror yeah uh, I'm thinking of after this uh, series I'm gonna do uh, lock and key oh, oh that's go. a good one yeah and it has sort of some cosmic uh, horror in it
3: sounds good does it yes. have any uh, Nicolas Cage screaming?
6: Yes. Okay. Has somebody like that screaming? Yes.
3: <laughs> good. Good. So good. all right. Well, uh, time to go to the break. Uh, thank you, Joe, and uh, we'll hand the floor over to Miles after we get to our latest mythical moment from Adam Hebert's.
10: For Raider for Humans and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment 37, The Epic of Gilgamesh-E, To the End of the Wilderness. (laughs) Last time on Mythical Moment, the gods marked Enkidu the hero for death, and after a long wasting illness, he passed. Gilgamesh bestowed many honors upon his friend in death, including many grave treasures chosen from Gilgamesh's treasury, as well as a burial in the riverbed of the Euphrates. The people of Uruk mourned Enkidu as well, but they couldn't help but notice that Gilgamesh had been impacted by the loss of his friend most of all. After the funeral had finished, Gilgamesh left Uruk devastated. With only scraps of clothing and animal hides covering him, he set out into the wilderness. While he missed his dear friend, the loss of Enkidu made Gilgamesh realize that he himself would one day die as well. While he was two-thirds divine, again, don't ask, I have no idea, he would eventually still die. He became obsessed with the idea of gaining immortality and conquering death, and so he would find the secret to eternal life, even if it killed him. Gilgamesh wandered aimlessly, asking random people what they might know about immortality. Shockingly, most people were not willing to speak to a massive, mostly naked man who claimed to be a demigod king. However, for some reason, some were, and eventually Gilgamesh heard rumors about a man and his wife who'd been granted immortality by the gods. The man's name was Utnapishtim, or the Faraway One. The rumor said Utnapishtim and his wife were the only human survivors of the Great Flood to have received this gift, and that they resided in the Garden of the Gods, which was past Mount Mashu along the Road of the Sun and across the Huber, which to the Sumerians was the River of the Dead. With a new destination in his quest, Gilgamesh set out towards Mount Mashu, which was located at the ends of the world. As he walked, he camped on a mountain pass where Pride of Lions lived. He decided this would be a good time to get some rest, and prayed to Sin, the god of the moon, for divine protection. As he slept, he had a dream. Upon waking, he took the dream as a message from Sin and went on to kill the Pride of Lions, using their skins to make new clothes. He then continued in the direction of the Twin Peaks of Mount Mashu, so that he could find the Road of the Sun. It took a long time, but soon he was approaching the peaks of Mount Mashu. He wandered around the mountainside for days, but could not find the beginning of the Road of the Sun. Eventually, however, he did find an entrance to a tunnel through the mountains and decided to check it out in the hopes of either finding the road or an alternative path to his destination. He entered the tunnel and made his way through what was likely miles of darkness. Eventually he came upon a large chamber lit by torches, and barring the way forward was a pair of scorpion people. As the name implied, from the waist up, they were a man and woman respectively, from the waist down, they were deadly scorpions. They seemed to be a married couple, and the husband stepped forward, urging Gilgamesh to return the way he came, as the Garden of the Gods was no place for a mortal like him. As the two men argued, the wife of the pair seemed to be sympathetic to Gilgamesh. She eventually told the male scorpion person that it was Gilgamesh's life to do with as he pleased, and as long as he was willing to endure the consequences of his choices, they had no real reason to stop him. Eventually, the male scorpion person relented, and Gilgamesh was allowed to continue forward. Gilgamesh continued to follow the tunnel for what the tablets describe as 12 double hours, eventually emerging from the side of Mount Mashu well ahead of the sun. Not far ahead in the distance was the Garden of the Gods. Gilgamesh made his way through the garden, eventually coming across an alewife by the name of Siduri. When she saw Gilgamesh, she immediately attacked him, thinking he was a thief or a murderer because of his disabled appearance. As she pummeled the wandering king, he tried to get his story out between punches, kicks to the groin, and smashed with wooden planks. Finally, she realized he must have been telling the truth, as no criminal would be able to make up such lies like that. She stopped her being of Gilgamesh and helped him to his feet before telling him what he needed to know. Utnapishtim resided on an island in the River of Death, and only one person could help him get there. She would take him to meet this person. For Radio for Humans and it came from Cleveland, this is Am Hebert telling you that next time a Mythical Moment, Gilgamesh meets the ferryman who will take him to see Utnapishtim and wisely doesn't pay him up front. Back to you Kenny. Music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander.
6: Pork chop Sandwiches!
3: I'm hungry. <laughs> Alright, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Joe, for uh, the recap of Umbrella Academy Season 2. My pleasure. And looking forward to more haunted tourism with you, Michelle, uh, in the next hour.
4: Yep, yep.
1: And Miles, the floor is yours. Yes, hello. So... I've been covering uh, the battleship Yamato and uh, her, I guess, misadventures. She didn't have a very storied career. Basically, she by the time by the time she was built to the time of her demise, uh, yeah, she only really fired her her guns at other ships at one time you know, that I mentioned last week. And so, by 1945. The American forces had pretty much uh, dominated the Pacific. Um, Japan is in at this point really in a um, in, in a state of desperation to hold off and try and delay, um, and just delay. They're just they're they're just like a drowning man grabbing at straws. So the Yamato. On April 7th, 1945, Um, that was when she met her end. So what brought her to that point where the American forces were able to effectively pounce upon her? All right. So, um, Hirohito, Emperor Hirohito, um, went to a conference with his military leaders Of the Imperial Japanese military and in this um, conference the Imperial Japanese Army which doesn't have a very friendly relationship with the Imperial Japanese Navy pretty much laid out their plans to defend Okinawa. Okinawa is an island that is um, to the south of Japan, and within range of bombers to launch off of said island and begin to pummel the Japanese homeland mercilessly. And mm-hmm. so losing Okinawa, it must be avoided. So the Je- the Imperial Japanese Army is talking about these all these plans about land movements and plane usage, what planes they had left anyway, <laughs> And uh, in defense of Okinawa. And Hirohito then asked, what about the Navy? What are they doing to assist in the defense of Okinawa? So now the Navy finds itself in this horrible situation. Just like, oh, crap. They've been getting their teeth kicked in by the American Navy and and taking losses because the Japanese uh, military industrial complex cannot hold a candle to the American uh, industrial might. Okay. And so they find themselves in this horrible situation where the emperor is asking, hey, what you going to do? And now they got to come up with a plan to save face for honor. Honor being a very important thing uh, for the um, uh, Japanese culture mm-hmm. because for a... Uh, a Japanese military officer, the uh, losing honor. We're talking. They committed suicide over that stuff, and so yeah. I'm going to share a gif of a Japanese officer, and this is how you really deal with with loss. You're, you're stoic. You're you 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 take it with dignity, and you don't you know lose your mind. You just relax as you just show absolute calm and professionalism. Oh, I'm sorry. I shared a gif of the uh, Buffalo's offensive coordinator after they lost to uh, Miami Dolphins when the time ran out. Oh, well. So back to the Yamato. So the plan they came up with was the Tenichi Go, which translates to Operation Heaven 1. I don't know where they come up with these names, but that's the name they came up with. It Not sounds right. good, but it's very ominous because in essence, it's a suicide mission. The plan is for the Yamato and her escorts to fight their way to Okinawa. And <laughs> by by and, and upon reaching Okinawa, the ships will beach themselves upon beaching themselves they are now effectively unsinkable shore batteries and then the plan is for them to just use their turrets and guns until they run out of ammunition or are destroyed and any surviving crew then disembark the ships and fight to the death as infantry against the invading american military forces this so is planned like to Nichigo. Fun time. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, that's how bad things were. Understand, we are already at this point of where the Japanese are using the kamikaze, where they take the youth of their country, slap them in a plane with bombs and fuel, and go, hey, go fly out there and run into something. That's, yeah, we're not going to train you how to land, we're training you how to take off. It, that's it. That's how bad things were for Japan. Vice Admiral Ito was given command of this because uh, uh, Admiral Yamamoto had already been killed, shot down by the P-37s near Australia, north of Australia. And he was opposed to this plan. He thought it was a waste of fuel, a waste of life, you know, and he didn't even think that they would get there. It was just a futile thing that, that the American military forces, submarines were everywhere out in the waters. That's how bad it was. And then he was told that the emperor expected the Navy to make its best effort to defend Okinawa. And at that point he relented and agreed to do the mission. So there you go. That, that's, that's another thing in uh, Japanese and um, Asian culture is, you know, doing your best, regardless of the situation. So the wow. crew of the Yamato was assembled and basically told the nature of the operation. And they were permitted to decline. They could excuse themselves from the mission and not be punished. None of them did. The entire crew of the Yamato went in mass, And this is 3,332 men that crewed the Yamato. So at night um, of the mission, the Yamato was fueled with just enough fuel to make it to Okinawa because they were not coming back. And fuel was getting tight pretty much at that point. Around 4 p.m. on uh, April the 6th, she left port. And uh, Rear Admiral Arika was in command of the Yamato, and Ito is in command of the fleet of the Operation Tenichigo. Her escort was one light cruiser and eight destroyers. That's what they managed to pull together, and it was expected that every one of those ships was going to beach themselves and fight to the death to defend Okinawa. Things did not start off great. Two hours after leaving port, they're spotted by the USS Hackleback, that submarine, and a coded message gets sent out. The radio operator on the Yamato picks up the message. I don't think that they broke the code, but they knew something close was sending out a radio signal, and so they knew they had been spotted. And on top of that, well, they managed to avoid any uh, attack by the submarine because they were taking evasive maneuvers. They were doing a zigzag pattern towards uh, Okinawa, and that really screws up with the uh, submarine's ability to shoot at you. So uh, the submarine just trailed them. So there, he's it's just keeping tabs on them and just sailing after them, you know, and and. Uh, that that's that's an ominous thing when when you know that the enemy knows where you are. So uh, the next day arrives and the crew is basically doing um, drills, anti-aircraft drills and damage control drills to uh, pretty much keep their mind off of what <laughs> what they're about to uh, get into. And then um, at ten a.m. Two mariner aircraft spotted the Yamato and the the fleet, and they spotted the aircraft. The mariners are huge flying boats. These are the like the Catalinas. These are the things that fly out over the Pacific Ocean to go rescue downed pilots. They're big with Mm -hmm. huge fuel tanks and can loiter in the air for hours. And so the Yamato doesn't like that, and is ordered to fire upon these aircraft, and they fire an anti-aircraft shell from their eighteen-inch guns. It's called the beehive shell. It's filled with shrapnel and um, incendiaries like phosphorus, and it's designed to really just explode in a cone after it's fired out about a second. And this cone is to deny the uh, enemy aircraft, you know, a air- certain airspace, or hopefully damage the aircraft and what have you. Um, Yeah, it didn't work. The uh, American pilots pretty much considered these shells as pretty firework displays. That's how effective these shells were, just to say they were not. Mm -hmm. So, uh, with the American forces knowing that they're coming, uh, Vice Admiral Michener, in in control of Task Force 58, starts assembling... um, his forces and he's in control of the aircraft carriers and he has at his disposal nine aircraft carriers and he sends almost 400 planes to go deal with the Yamato Uh, 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 and then there's the uh, Admiral Spruance he's in charge of the battleships and he's got six of them and he starts collecting together also cruisers and destroyers, seven cruisers and 21 destroyers on top of the six battleships in order to interdict the Japanese force because the American forces already have troop transports and whatnot all around Okinawa and they don't want a ship like the Yamato arriving and causing mass destruction against troop transports. So he's, he's getting ready, but... Uh, Michener with the aircraft carriers has already got and nah, nah, I got this so he's he's already mounting it around noon the Yamato radar picked up the first wave of aircraft coming in at 63 miles out and at this point um, Ito orders the uh, Yamato fleet to go up to flank speed for evasive maneuvers Evasive maneuvers for a 72,000-ton battleship really isn't impressive, but it, 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 is, it is what it is. The first, the first fighters to come, oh, the, the types of fighters to come were the Hellcat and Corsairs. Those were the fighter aircraft, and they were sent to take out enemy fighters to clear the skies so that the Hell Diver aircraft, which were your dive bombers, and the Avenger Uh, uh, planes, which were your torpedo bombers, could go in unmolested. That is the ideal. So the first wave arrives. There are no Japanese aircraft. It's empty skies. And so now the fighters have really, like, well, they have nothing better to do. They start strafing the, (laughs) the ships just to suppress their um, ability to fire back with the anti-aircraft guns that they have, and so their 50-caliber guns are just just shooting the crap out of things. They also are mounted with little rockets. Rockets are actually kind of potent explosives. Um, that mm-hmm. They they're like you know min- like miniature bazookas on your on your aircraft. Just, I've seen pictures of them. They're they're scary as hell going off on a ship. So they're strafing the outside the outer crap out of uh, things blowing up and shooting people that are... Because the air defenses are not nearly as well protected as, say, the turrets of an 18-inch gun, which have, uh, you know, many, many inches thick of steel. So, at uh, 1234, the main guns of the Yamato, again, open up with those beehive shells, to no effect, really. Um, And then the dive bombers come in and they uh make their run they got two hits and these are non-critical hits battleships are a lot tougher than aircraft carriers you know if you drop a bomb in an aircraft carrier you're gonna have all kinds of sympathetic detonations and stuff like that battleships can shrug off uh, some of these types of hits then the avengers come in with their torpedoes a whole uh, uh like they come in at like 20 at a time and they they have this pre-planned out to attack the port side. They're going to focus all the attacks on one side of the ship in order to cause it to start to list and, and, and tilt and make the ship's ability to uh, fight less effective. One torpedo manages to, to, to mark a hit. But that one torpedo, again, 3,000 tons of water, start filling up the ship, and the ship starts listing. And now that the uh, Yamato has to start counter-flooding, Um, by moving, by by flooding her starboard uh, side uh, and trying to at least correct the the, the list. And then about half an hour later, the next wave comes in at 1 p.m., and this is 160 planes, 20 of them torpedo bombers, and three of those torpedoes hit. And now you're talking uh, the ship is starting to uh, list to 15 degrees and at this point all the starboard counter flooding rooms have been used to the full capacity. They have no more counter flooding available to them on the starboard side. And so now the Admiral has this horrible decision to make in order to just keep his ship to be able to fight to flood the starboard outside engine room and he has insufficient time to evacuate the room. Ooh. And he, effect, he effectively condemns those men to death. How many? The ship... I'm sorry? How many? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I, I know how many people survived the uh, sinking of the Yamato, but I don't know how many men were doomed by that act, one at one command. Um. So the, the ship now with its engines... Uh, crippled by a flooding of rooms and the star, the port side's also suffering because of all the torpedo hits and now she's only making like 10 knots makes her an easier target two more torpedoes hit and then um, at, at this point the ship has fires going out of control and she's practically dead in the water and she the order to abandon ship is given um and Ito he's the admiral in charge of the fleet orders the fleet to flee effectively canceling operation Tenigo to Tenichigo and allowing the remaining ships to flee back to Japan rather than suicide or even to try to get to Okinawa because she was this fleet was still over 300 miles away from Okinawa they wow. they did get they didn't even get that close. They were like, I don't know, a hundred miles or so away from Japan. They 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 did not get that close. So Ito gives the order to end uh, Operation Tendigo. He goes into his stateroom, closes the door, and that's the last anyone ever sees of him. And then uh, Admiral Akira, who's the uh, captain of the Yamato, um, ties himself to the compass so that his body will not float up or away or whatever when the ship eventually goes down. So dark. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'll try and sound more cheery as I describe (laughs) these horrible things. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Uh, So now the ship is listing so badly that the American bombers, the next group, uh, fire the last torpedo uh, rounds but they do it at the starboard side. So if you can imagine a ship that's tilting like uh, a lot, and as the port side goes down, the the starboard side goes up, and the, the upper part of the battleship is the part that's heavily armored. It's the underbelly that's really fragile and weak. And so by attacking on the starboard side that's risen up, because it's 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 tilting now. These torpedoes are hitting very vulnerable, very thin metal underneath the hull of the battleship, and these 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 absolutely cripple the ship and it rolls over. And so now you've got the fleet, you've got the uh, men, the crew of the Yamato struggling in the water. It, it said that when she started to capsize and, and roll. And, and sink. it caused a suction of the water that drew her, her crew that were trying to swim away back into her. Ouch. Yeah. And then at uh, 2.47... Yeah. No, 2.23. Um, a forward magazine under one of the front turrets detonates because of one of the out-of-control fires. The explosion... Is so severe it creates a six mile high no I'm wrong 3.7, 6 kilometer three point seven mile high mushroom cloud that was visible over by it was visible a hundred miles away wow and of the three thousand three hundred thirty two crew three thousand and fifty five died wow and of the of the escort. Um, of one cruiser and eight destroyers only four destroyers made it back the others were all pounced upon and and delivered now the Americans did suffer some losses of the almost 400 planes that were sent uh, 10 were lost guess how many of those 10 were lost because they were too close to the Yamato when she blew up uh, four? Seven. Seven. Only three aircraft were shot down in the whole course of the mission. It's only because the Yamato's magazine exploded and the shock wave of that explosion damaging aircraft, uh, to the point where they couldn't fly and having to land or what, or crash land or whatever. Uh, yeah. Cost the loss of seven planes. <laughs> so there's well, there's the yamato um they american were talking about raising her i'm sorry go ahead I, I just said american survival rate seemed a lot better than uh, yes yes by far it uh th- there's, there's no contest in that there is a um one-tenth scale of the yamato in japan at the uh Hiro- excuse me hiroshima um city um it's a pretty impressive picture. One tenth. It's still an eighty-foot-long model to represent an eight hundred-foot-long ship. Jesus, but uh, yeah, the Japanese are—you know—they—they they're, they honor the ship, and rightly so. It was a beast, a a marvel of engineering. I mean, it's it's incredible. I mean, I can I can respect that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, war is horrible and should be avoided at all costs. But I just. I like big machines. (laughs) They they fascinate me. Yeah. So uh, there you go. That's the story of the Yamato and her untimely end. um, At the end, uh, almost at the end of World War II, but the Japanese still fought on until August when the nuclear bombs were dropped. So there you go.
3: All right. Wow. So
1: quite the epic saga. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. It's brutal, but. You know, that it tells you that just imagine the courage it took to just go, you know, we're going to die. The crew had to say goodbye and they waved goodbye to their wives and children on the dock, knowing they weren't coming back. Oof. Yeah.
3: That's rough stuff. Yeah, it is. But uh well, there we go. There's the uh there's our, our you know, not cosmic but very very earthbound horror story from Miles. So <laughs> you're well
4: Yeah, history. Sometimes hmm. it
1: really sucks.
3: <laughs> it does, it does. So anything else, Miles, before we go to the break?
1: No, mm, no, nope, nope, that should do it.
3: All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh run to the break and uh get yourself a beverage or something. Uh and uh we'll be right back with much more. It came from Cleveland right after this.
0: You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree with you more.
1: And now, on with the show. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok. When human beings tamper with unknown forces, cut the power!
0: Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. Foolish unto you. Something evil.
6: You are slicking, my <laughs>
0: Not recommended for impressionable children.
3: That's the only place I dropped the ball on the audio tonight. I just I didn't have anything for your intro tonight, so I That's used okay. So I thought that was funny. You
6: were licking me! <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you, Miles. Uh, looking forward to your next uh, uh, history uh, story for us. Yep, yep. Cool, cool. And thank you again, Joe. Um, Umbrella Academy Season 2 sounds super fun. And timey-wimey. And
9: timey-wimey. Season 3 is coming up next.
3: Yeah. And uh, off to, uh, back to Haunted Locales with Michelle. All right. What do you have tonight for us, our our spooky tour guide?
4: Well, I just have to say, you know, you do not want somebody licking you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. Well, Tennessee especially, was like, licking Susan's hands. Especially today.
4: when it's non-consensual and yeah. it has to do with cannibalism. So yeah. there you
3: go. Okay. Geesh.
4: <laughs> yeah. We, we we will we will learn more that about that later in the next uh next trailer break. So we are going east from California. We are deciding to go more into the heartland now. So we are deciding to visit a little-known city that's called Chicago.
3: Uh, I think you I've know. heard of it.
4: Yeah, has something to do with a wind problem up there and, and things, <laughs> and right. a Wacker Avenue,
3: <laughs> Wacker,
4: and Illinois is not Illinois Nazis, but uh, yeah. So <laughs> we're not covering the Illinois Nazis. We're not covering Wacker. Um, actually, we are going to Archer Street, which is in a suburb that's called Justice, just southwest of Chicago, Illinois, and this small area is very well known as one of the first or one of the most famous reports of your standard hitchhiking ghost, um, the vanishing hitchhiker. Uh, This one is called Resurrection Mary and she's fairly well known among the ghost circuits. Um, It's a a ghost story or urban legend, um, a type of folklore that's known in many cultures. According to the story, The ghost resides in Resurrection Cemetery in Justice, Illinois, a few miles southwest of Chicago. Uh, Resurrection Mary is considered to be Chicago's most famous ghost. Since the 1930s, um, several men driving northwest along Archer Avenue between Willowbrook Ballroom and Resurrection Cemetery reportedly have picked up a young female hitchhiker. This woman is dressed somewhat formally in a white party dress and is said to have light blonde hair and blue eyes. There are other reports that she wears a thin shawl, dancing shoes, carries a small clutch purse, and and that she's very quiet. As a driver nears Resurrection Cemetery, she disappears into it, completely out of the car, freaking the men out. Um, (laughs) According to the Chicago Tribune, um, they have a full-time ghost hunter, a hunter, named Richard Crowe, he has collected over th- three dozen substantiated reports of Mary from the 1930s to the present. Wow. So she's not in a haunted house, but she is haunting a specific central highway. And this is one of the most prominent ones. There, are, uh, The woman in white, that sort of um, it, it shows up in a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, a stranded uh, motorist, you know, a, stra- a stranded hitchhiker, so many motorists picks up, you know, drives past a certain house. She has to be taken home. They reach the house and she vanishes from the car. It's it's a fairly common legend. But it's this one has been really, really repeated around that Chicago area for a long period of time. Um there I'll, I'll go more into her history, but right now I want to go with the first movie that was um, uh, that I could find that was related to this legend. It's called Resurrection Mary: Dance with the Devil from 2005.
8: I love to dance. Wait, I mean, what's your name? Let me go.
2: Resurrection Mary. Shut up!
0: That's what the kids call her. Of course, ain't nobody knows for sure whether she's buried up there or not. But, uh, ain't the burying that they talk about. Ain't the burying that you're here for. Sean? Try to die a day before the devil knows you're dead. The devil must have been there that night. Sean? Because he knew. He knew.
7: Telling secrets, Henry. The water was supposed to die. I was thrown from
2: the car. She was hanging by her seatbelt.
0: What am I supposed to do? You give Mary what she wants. Is anybody home? You're looking for her. She just does what the devil tells her to do.
8: We never got to dance, Sean.
2: I don't understand what brought me here. All I know are the stars.
5: Story. It seems that she got the wrong one.
3: We're playing
0: games with me. I don't care what you do to me just give her back.
3: Did I hear Joe Estevez's voice in there?
4: Did you? Yes, you did. I was just I was... about to ask do you recognize a fairly uh, kind of famous voice. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, considering him and his brother, uh, uh, Martin Sheen, have the same identical voice. I figured it wasn't Martin Sheen based on uh, the, uh, uh, the subject matter or the um, it sounds a little low budget.
4: Yeah, correct. This is the uh, this is the biggest name in this movie. Uh, Joe Estevez, who's been in a lot of other uh, fairly interesting uh, low-budget movies throughout his career. He's been in like 500 movies. Yeah, and I don't don't blame him a bit. You know, you get a paycheck where you get a paycheck.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah, he's, he's, you know, I admire him. You know, uh, I I think it, you know, he you know, and he didn't ride off his brother's coattails. You know, he went with Estevez. A lot of people probably didn't realize that he was Martin Sheen's brother, unless you know they're completely face blind,
4: <laughs> or, or voice blind. Yeah, <laughs> they sound so. fairly similar as well. So, um, yeah. So this is basically about a man. Um, he's getting ready to get married. He six months before his engagement. He uh, before his wedding. He uh, meets this woman on the road, a mysterious woman on the road named Mary. And it's a little. It's a nice little horror movie that's built up on the resurrection Mary myth. So it, 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 it it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, it, it's enjoyable. And, and I like movies that are based on some, you know, local folklores and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, so after that, um, the next movie that all of them are low budget. They're not really spectacular movies. Um, the mm. next movie that comes into play is Resur- Resurrection Mary from 2007. And this one's even more low budget.
5: I'd really like to know more about the young woman you've been seeing. Mary, you didn't meet her on the internet, did you? (laughs) No. Was she wearing a white gown?
0: Wait, how do you know that?
5: There was this young woman way back,
8: 1937, 38, and supposedly she was run over
0: while walking along
10: Archer Avenue.
7: We run her over with my car, and then I should ask if she wants to make yeah, out with me. See,
5: that's the thing. You don't ask. I mean, you just make out with her. Oh, wow. Come on! Come on! Kevin! Ah. Kevin?
4: Oh, oh
10: Were you at a party last night at uh, Kevin Green's house? Yeah, why?
4: No. no matter what the cops think, I know you didn't do it.
0: So you almost hit her. Who you think was her, Long Archer?
7: Yeah, yeah, go figure.
0: I'd give or do anything to spend one more night with her. Doesn't matter if she's a ghost or not.
5: I think Mary
6: is behind these murders. Watch out! Oh, <laughs>
2: I've been killed since I met you, Mary. Four of them.
7: Why are you acting this way?
2: Jeff, you can tell us what's going on.
7: I haven't killed anyone. How am I supposed to trust you?
5: You know that Jeff is incapable of doing anything like this. You just want to nail somebody for those murders. <laughs> you get it! You shut up!
3: There you go yeah, yeah that so sounded really low budget that the, the it, audio it the is. audio is terrible
4: yeah i tried to clean it up the best i could um so this basically is about a young man he meets mary gives her a ride home um and eventually uh starts up a relationship with her but as he does so all of his friends start dying so it's it's an it's an interesting little twist on it but as i said you know it, it is low budget um i don't I don't think you can watch it anywhere but on YouTube.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, YouTube exclusive.
4: <laughs> yeah, so that, that that tells you where it is. So, um, yeah. Um, but Resurrection Mary is just one of those really, really cool uh, 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 folk tales. And um, I got a little clip here. This is from um, the most terrifying places in America from 2010. Um, it's part three. Um, This is something that they came out every year with something around Halloween to give you, like, really spooky haunted house stories that were related to different places across, you know, the United States. And uh, this little clip gives you a little bit of the background.
0: Our next petrifying pit stop is here, a suburb southwest of Chicago called Justice, Illinois. Ride with us down Archer Avenue, but be warned. We're sharing this thoroughfare with one seriously disturbed
2: spirit. Because of the history and the death along it, it's become known as as really one of the most haunted roadways, not only in Chicago, but anywhere in the country.
0: Her name is Resurrection Mary. And since the 1930s, she's been making this unassuming avenue one of the most eerie roads in America. Legend has it that one night in the early 1930s, Mary and her boyfriend attended a dance at the O. Henry Ballroom, now known as the Willow Brook. It was an evening of harmless fun,
2: until... They had been dancing, got into an argument, and she laughed, and was walking up Archer Avenue when she was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver. <laughs> And her grieving parents buried her in Resurrection Cemetery. But Mary never got the chance to
0: rest in peace.
2: In the 1970s, Resurrection Cemetery began moving what were called term graves into different burial spots. Now the term graves were sort of like rental spots. So they were for bodies to be stored until an actual plot could be purchased
0: in the 70s, they had actually moved Mary's grave from where it was to an unmarked grave in another part of Resurrection Cemetery. And the disturbance of Mary's resting place seemed to have paranormal consequences. A lot of people, they
7: believe that when they moved her grave, she would leave the cemetery But then she couldn't find her grave because they had actually moved it.
2: It makes you wonder if perhaps the disturbance of these graves is really what sort of kicked off this cycle and
0: caused the ghost to
2: be seen on Archer Avenue.
0: Soon, reports were coming in of a strange spectral girl wandering Archer Avenue. Resurrection Mary. Some claim her spirit is desperately searching for someone to lead her back to Resurrection Cemetery.
3: Ugh, spooky.
4: Yeah, so disturbing a grave, moving it, getting a ghost confused. And so that's the, the, the urban legend that has sprung up around um, uh, Resurrection Mary. Now, what's funny is um, it's even, it even showed up in a lot of our current pop culture TV. Um, in supernatural. They have two instances of women ghosts on the roadside. Um, one is actually... It was uh, called uh, Roadkill. The episode called Roadkill where um, the spirit and her husband were driving along a desert, deserted highway at night when they came across a farmer in the middle of the road um, and they, she tries unsuccessfully not to hit him. And next thing she knows her husband's missing. The, the farmer's chasing her. And things get worse when the Winchester show up and inform Molly that the farmer is actually in Highway Ghost. But as a twist, it turns out she is a highway ghost as well. Ah. And so the farmer keeps showing up to torment her. She keeps running away from the farmer and she lures more people in to get killed by the vengeful spirit. And uh, there was a second one, which uh, built more on the hitchhiking ghost where um, a woman in white would show up on the side of the road she would hitchhike a ride with a guy. He he pick her up, take her back to her house, where she would kill him in vengeance for her having an unfaithful husband. And she ended up kill, drowning her own children. This is this is based off of the myth that shows up throughout cultures, American, European, even even Asian, of the woman who was wrong. She kills her own children. and She becomes a vengeful spirit. So it's kind of they kind of use it and. Make it more modern by putting it as a highway hitchhiking ghost. Mm-hmm. So I would figure that was kind of also based on Resurrection Mary as well.
3: Yeah, it sounds like it, it very well could be.
4: So there you go. Yeah, the, the 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 forlorn spirit of a woman, her her life was taken way too early. Um, just wanted to enjoy herself at a dance club, into the the whole urban legend that that sprang out of it and became this this thing that shows up time and time again. Um, And now we go to the more creepy aspect of things. Um, This is called, uh, there is a house called Hull House. Um, It was a settlement house in Chicago, Illinois uh, that was founded in 1889 by Jane Addams and Ellen Gates Starr. Located near the west side of the city, um, the Hull House Open to serve recently arrived European immigrants. By 1911, the Hull House had expanded to thirteen buildings. In 1912, the Hull House complex was completed with the addition of a summer camp. Um, With innovative social, educational, artistic programs, Hull House became the standard bearer for the movement that had grown nationally by 1920 to almost 500 settlement houses. Wow. But. Of course, a place like that that has such a turnaround, so many um, people who are destitute looking for some help is going to have some stories connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's do with the first clip here. This is from Chicago Hauntings, CBS Chicago.
7: We are at the Hull House on the UIC campus. Uh, this The Hull House... Um became famous when Jane Adams opened the first settlement house in America here in 1889. But the house predates her Coming here by a number of years. It was originally built in 1856. It is one of the oldest buildings in downtown Chicago that's still standing. It was built by a man named Charles Hall. This was his home and mansion. He was a wealthy real estate developer here in Chicago. Uh, but Charles Hall only lived in this house for four years, up till the year 1860, because in that time frame, his wife and his two sons die in this house. So it is one remaining daughter. The house no longer felt like home. So they, even though he owned the property until his death in 1889, he doesn't live here anymore. Uh, him and his daughter go live in a mansion in another part of town. There were stories going back about this place being haunted long before Jane Addams moved into it. But in several of the books that Jane Addams wrote, even though Jane Adams said she didn't really believe in ghosts, she She did nickname one of the bedrooms, which is the one right up here in the upper right-hand side as you're facing the mansion. She nicknamed that the haunted bedroom. I was initially her bedroom. Uh, But she couldn't stay in it very long. She claimed that in the middle of the night, she'd be awoken, seeing a woman hovering over the bed. Uh, She'd also hear, like, conversations in there. So she stopped using it as her bedroom. She initially tries turning it into a guest room, but the guests would report the same things, especially seeing this woman standing over their bed at night. So eventually she closes the room off and just uses it for storage. Okay.
4: Yeah, she um, wasn't really pleased about the idea that everyone was considering this house to be so haunted. Um, yeah, she had some stories, personal stories, but for the most part, the uh, the reputation of this house was exaggerated, and um, especially the uh, <laughs> the story about the devil baby. Oh. <laughs> devil
3: baby you say
4: oh yeah um in 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 1913 another Hull house ghost story began to circulate according to the legend after a man claimed that he would rather have a the devil in his house than a picture of the virgin mary his child was born with pointed ears horns scaled covered skin <laughs> and a tail the mother was supposed to have uh, 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 taken this baby to Hull house where adam said Adam was said to have attempted to baptize it and wound up locking it in the attic. Now, she was really annoyed about this story. It had no basis, in fact. Um, But she became fascinated with the effect the episode had on the old women in the neighborhood and used the episode as a basis for her book, The Long Road of Women's Memory. Now, what's funny about this is People say that this is what um, uh, promoted or or was responsible for the idea of
8: Rosemary's Baby.
3: Okay.
4: And uh, that would be clip number five.
3: Here you go.
8: It said that the legend of the double baby of Hull House inspired the book Rosemary's Baby that later became a movie directed by Roman Polanski. When the devil baby was seen by the midwives, they screamed and wouldn't go near it. The baby didn't cry, it made a low gurgling sound. The doctor reached out to grab it, and then the nurse's reaction as she looked at the doctor showed the true horror of this situation. The nurse's jaw dropped, her eyes clouded over, and she fell to the floor, and the doctor revealed the baby. It was a monster. It was larger than a one-year-old, and its skin was like a reptile's, it was scaly and rough and sharp horns came out of its head and it had a long thin tail with a forked point. With glowing red eyes, the child seemed to look right into his mother's soul, but it was her baby and she loved it, no matter what it was or what it would become or what it looked like, just like Mia Farrow's character in Rosemary's Baby. Many people think that the baby was born with deformities And rumors just spun out of control. And for about six weeks, women came to Hull House demanding to see the devil baby. And it's said that on certain nights, the devil baby can still be seen in an attic window.
3: Oh.
4: Isn't that funny how something like, something as simple as a deformed baby can create such, you know, hysteria?
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, I can't. I, I, when you said Hull House, I, I can't. Uh, there's so I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you before or not, but this is a very tangential thing, but it's kind of related to The Exorcist. Uh, you know, um, the, uh, what uh, Reagan says in The Exorcist, your mother does this in hell. Um, yeah. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne backmasked uh, something on one of his songs, um, and. He'd backmask the the phrase "Your mother sells Welks in Hull." So uh, <laughs> anyway, that's it's a one off. But you were saying Hull House, and it made me think of that, and you know exorcisms and things like that. So your mother what's, sells Welks wh- in Hull. Welks are like yes. fish, like shellfish. Yes, they are. So anyway, sorry what's, to interrupt. Go ahead.
4: What's also humorous about this is, if you think about it, um, Hull House is a very interesting name. And, you know, um, it has been used in, in other horror cinema. Um, there is in the movie, Night of the Demons, mm-hmm. the, 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 the house that uh, Angela uh, held the Halloween party in, they called it a Hull House. It wasn't in Chicago. It was actually like in this remote estate, but they did call it the Hull House, which I interesting. find interesting.
3: Yeah. That's
4: so cool. there we have it. There we have some wonderful little uh, spooky stories about Chicago and the Hull House, demon babies, and a hitchhiking ghost. You know, what more can you ha- what more can you ask for a haunted evening?
3: Yeah, that's not wind you hear howling. It's spirits. <laughs>
4: of uh, some sort or another yeah. yeah it was funny because adam's she was always like you know even though she called the place haunted she seemed to be more amused by it than frightened by it mm-hmm. so there you go
3: yeah i i also uh you know find hauntings uh rather amusing that's interesting so uh anything else michelle before we go to the break
4: no, we've got a trailer break coming up though. All right,
3: tell us who uh, who were whose birthdays we we'll be uh, celebrating with the, this uh, trio of trailers.
4: Uh we're gonna have fun here. We got some good '80s horror with Patrick O'Neill, born September 26, 1927, in Ocala, Florida, um, and he is in a fun goofy horror movie called The Stuff. I love from
0: the 1985. Stuff.
3: Uh, it's like marshmallow. Fluff, yeah, The Stuff. Don't eat evil. it. Don't
4: eat it. <laughs> Uh, Then you have Jenna Ortega. A wonderful Wednesday, Adams. Born September 27th, 2002, in Coquella Valley, California. And she is in a really creepy new horror movie called X from this year, 2022. And then we have Jeffrey Jones. Born September 28th, 1946, in Buffalo, New York. And um, he is in a really fun little cannibalistic. uh, Frontier movie called Ravenous from 1999. And don't let people lick you.
5: He was licking me! <laughs> <laughs> the stuff is here now. Great new day sensation. Light and free now. Back to elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff.
0: The stuff.
5: The taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff
0: taste that delivers. We interrupt this presentation with the following urgent message.
3: Tonight, America is in grave
0: danger.
9: We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as The Stuff.
2: Here, Jason. Take some.
5: No! Don't eat that. There is something alive in there.
1: Tasty! There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria.
0: If the stuff
9: is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales.
8: Now. Ever enough.
2: Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne.
4: All the best people are.
0: There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X Factor. That days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we go. I just want
6: to make you! this is it!
0: Our own studio back.
6: You're
0: looking for a place to stay. Oh yes, sir. That's one of this whole bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door, so I would appreciate a little discretion. I just want
8: he don't know what we're doing, does he?
0: Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission.
8: Would you like to come inside? What's your I want to be
9: in the movie.
0: Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. I
8: just...
0: If daddy catches
8: us, there's no telling what he might do. I
0: just... My wife is not well. It happens after dark. I
5: just ah! Maxine? Ah! Was my touching me! Ah! You don't want to leave, do you?
0: People's eyes are going to pop out of their damn the skulls when they see this. Ah!
2: alright? No.
0: One of the boys found this inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture.
10: Sending you to California,
0: Fort Spencer. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. Uh-huh. Captain John Boyd is about to discover. No one just
10: ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well, something he never imagined.
0: We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer.
10: (laughs) This Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the
0: north. Man eats the flesh of another. (gasps) He absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose between having dinner and being dinner. So annoying. Stu. A la manger knocks. Guy Pierce. Ives! I'm gonna kill him. Robert Carlyle. He was tough, but then a good soldier ought to be. Jeffrey Jones. He, uh, I bring you into the fold. What's wrong? David Arquette. (laughs) There's no guilt. I gotta eat. (laughs) It's tough making friends. Eat to live
9: don't oh.
5: That was really sneaky. He was licking me!
0: <laughs> Ravenous bon appétit. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be sick.
3: Yeah, so welcome back to the program. Yeah, what a cast! Guy Pearce, uh, is in that too?
4: Oh yeah, David Robert Arquette, Car- hell yeah. Robert,
3: Robert Carlyle, good stuff. So uh, it's not the stuff, but good stuff. So.
4: <laughs> and it's uh, got guy's got a good insane giggle.
3: Yeah, he's a great actor. He really has done a lot of uh, amazing stuff um and of course uh welcome back to the show thank you michelle for our the the haunted tourism you, you know this could be a new career for you
4: hey i'm not as good as people i'm not i'm not a good <laughs> good speaker the words do not come easily to me but well, i you try can, <laughs> you can help
3: you could be a booking agent so yeah
4: that'd be fun yeah. yeah
3: and uh of course uh welcome back uh joe thanks again umbrella academy season two sounds super fun and again you know uh all over the place in time timey-wimey yeah and of course miles uh always enjoy your history stories uh the the your trilogy on the yamato was greatly appreciated
4: and he appreciates it he had to crash he was falling oh. asleep in his chair
3: no problem and he did sound a little he sounded a little tired uh, when we got to his segment so
4: yeah, he, he he yeah he just he's crashing hard. It was a busy week, so
3: not a problem, not a problem. But just let him know he is appreciated, and um yeah. So uh we've I've got some leftovers for uh, uh cosmic horror. I've kind of uh, said what they were, but they're still fun trailers to listen to. Um and uh, oh yeah, tomorrow uh, uh we we should mention this now, Joe. Uh, spangoolie tomorrow it's it's a huge thing on uh me tv tomorrow i don't know how many nights they're gonna do this in october but they're starting spangoolie at seven tomorrow yes and oh yeah they're doing one of michelle's favorites do you know michelle
4: i don't i don't remember i remember seeing the announcement and i was like oh yay
3: <laughs> yep. joe would you like to spill the beans it's Trilogy. Ter-
4: ter- oh, ter- yes.
3: Yeah. A living doll. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. A
4: Zulu, a Zulu fetish doll, even worse.
3: Yeah. Yes. Karen so, Black. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they going to have some other special programming, too, which is, uh, what, what, is Svengoolie Uncrypted? He, something like, yes, Uncrypted,
0: I believe.
3: Yeah, so uh, it's basically him out and about meeting famous people running around in the streets of, you know, Chicago and wherever else. Um, and, <laughs> Don't let him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, re- maybe
4: he'll meet Resurrection Mary.
3: <laughs> maybe. And, uh, and, of course, the return of Sven Tooney, uh tomorrow is happening, so... Uh, I
4: and, love Sven That's yeah, a fun little fun show. Fun stuff.
3: And uh, we still have a few episodes left of a Big Bad B-Movie show here in Cleveland as well. I assume they're going to re- play the final episodes in October. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, here we go. Uh, we've got a little more uh, cosmic horror for everybody. Um, and... Uh, I this is a movie that's really good and what it what an amazing cast uh, this came out in 2018. It has uh like uh, basically uh, I, I don't know like 20 actors from the Marvel Universe <laughs> it, it's it has Natalie Portman it has uh James Wong is that his name who plays Wong because I know his actual real last name is Wong and uh Tessa Thompson. And, of course, he plays uh, Valkyrie, and she's in Westworld as well. And it also has Oscar Isaac, who is in Moon Knight and uh, also played Apocalypse in the X-Men Apocalypse movie. Um, and, of course, Oscar Isaac's done loads of other things, such as being Poe Dameron in uh, Star Wars. And, um, of course, did... Uh, uh, Ex Machina, which was a great movie. And this movie was directed by the same guy who did Ex Machina. Uh, it's called Annihilation. Have either of you seen this one? Yes. No. Really great cast, really great concept, really creepy. It, it uses elements of found footage uh, with stunning visuals, uh, cosmic horror, like uh, out of control. Basically, uh, 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 Natalie Portman is married to Oscar Isaac in this, and they're both scientists, um, military scientists, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. And Oscar Isaac's character goes into uh, this uh, this strange supernatural kind of occurrence Uh, This would make a really good uh, double feature with uh, the Color Out of Space, I think, because they both have a lot of similar concepts that an alien um, force is basically trying to create something new uh, and just destroying everything in its wake
4: (laughs) and lots of amazing visuals with the color and the plant life and everything absolutely stunning
3: yeah it's it's really strange and this this is really a a cosmic horror done right with a big budget with an A-list cast and uh, yeah here's the trailer for that great movie you're gonna want to see this one Joe can you describe its form
0: No. Start from the beginning.
8: What do you think I do when you're away? You think I'm out in the garden, pining, (laughs) looking up at the sky? (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you here? I
0: gotta leave a day early.
8: here. Let me see him. He's extremely ill. You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. It was his decision to go in. It's something they termed the Shimmer. We've sent in drones and teams of people, but nothing comes back. But something has. You're a biologist. You served in the military. If I knew what happened, I could save his life. The getting bigger, it's expanding. We're talking cities, states. You need to know what's inside. So do I. It's beautiful. Check this out. It's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Anything interesting in there? No. Sharks have teeth like that, it's not possible. You can't crossbreed different species. What is it? The soldiers on the last expedition. They went crazy. Or something Something in here killed them. Something's come through the fence. Through the fence? We have to go back. I can't go back. We can camp here tonight. It's destroying everything it's not destroying
0: it's making something new
3: oh, even that music is so awful and creepy too <laughs> um, yeah it, it, this movie is is just really really dark and creepy but i'm it's but the thing is it's not dark it's very bright (laughs) it is very
4: bright and Shane miles fell asleep because we watched this together and he really enjoyed it too yeah
3: fantastic movie and uh this was uh directed by alex garland who was a a screenwriter before he was a director and uh he wrote uh the great sci-fi movies well horror movies 28 days later in the sci-fi movie sunshine uh, arguably sunshine is a cosmic horror film as well
4: it is I, and yeah. I, yeah very much so
3: and uh but he he uh his the first film he directed was ex machina in 2014 which also starred oscar isaac a great uh another another one of my favorite genres but more towards the sci-fi but often delves into horror is the topic of artificial intelligence um <clears throat> which uh, Ridley Scott has handled very well in uh, his Alien movies, and of course, uh, he had a hand in Blade Runner, and of course, in uh, sadly, I'm so angry. They, they, I don't know if you guys heard this, but there will not be a Raised by Wolves season three.
4: Oh, that's a shame.
3: No, there won't be. Yeah,
9: unless they sort of, they, they sort of left it hanging.
3: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that it, it, that was a huge uh, development in the end of season two. Um, yes, but uh, but yeah. So uh, but uh, X Machina, if you guys haven't seen that one, I definitely recommend that too. Um, now I did see an article that said that um, this um, this movie is kind of a stealth adaptation of uh, H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space because it was so funny. I don't know if my phone was listening to me, but I typed in. Um, I typed in uh uh annihilation and then it suggested annihilation color out of space, so very similar concepts. Um, uh, one is you know obviously color out of space is a smaller story, whereas uh, this uh, uh, annihilation is a, a bigger story. Um, yeah, yeah. and uh, also. Um let's see let's do this uh from also from 2018 Mandy uh th- this is again one of my uh, a, a director who's only made two films Panos Kosmatos his father uh many of you uh might recognize some of his work uh di- he directed uh, I'm going to find his uh his father's name um but his his late father um was uh George P Cosmatos and he directed Rambo First Blood Part 2 Cobra with the Sylvester Stallone Leviathan and Tombstone so uh you know he obviously um knew his way around movies and this is he uh, Panos Cosmatos directed uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow which is uh, I love hearing his uh, when he talks about this in interviews he said he wanted to make a movie that he kind of drummed up in his head just from seeing VHS tape covers. He, like, you know, would would imagine what those movies were because he wasn't allowed to rent them. Because uh, he, he's like, you know, uh, me and Michelle's age, so uh, when he was, you know, in the early 80s. Obviously, his parents weren't gonna let him rent, you know, Driller Killer or whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so he he said he wanted to make a movie in the spirit of what these, what the old VHS covers reminded him of. I think he might have cited The Keep and Phantasm um, as a couple of those. Um, but it's been a long time since I read the article. But his follow up film from 2018, Mandy, is definitely on the on the cosmic horror scale. This one has a lot to do with uh, mind-altering drugs, uh, a, a weaponized form of LSD that uh, basically uh, makes you kind of almost one with everything but also extremely violent and, if, and, and will amplify your emotional responses to things like if you want to commit an act of revenge against a murderous cult.
4: (laughs) And a disturbing breakdown on the toilet.
3: Yes, yes, with a bottle of vodka. And, and, and of course, there also, I can't remember their names, but there were these three horrendous, uh, beastly, mutant guys that were riding around on motorcycles that uh, had uh, weapons all over their bodies, and there was a really disturbing scene with one of them... uh, pleasuring himself to porn um, and uh, yeah that was really messed up but yeah Mandy 2018 it, this movie is nuts
8: Under the Crimson Primordial sky, the wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal.
0: one Mandy. I too am a special one. Let us be so very special together. So what you gonna do with that then? We're going hunting. So what you hunting? crazy evil
5: you think you're so in love i'll show you love
1: oh man they
6: wronged
8: you ah! Ah! you exude the cosmic darkness explode from within, strange
6: and eternal.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... This uh, uh, one thing I want to mention about this movie is the intro. This the, the the intro to the film, the opening credits has this sweeping either drone or helicopter sequence over uh, a forest because Nicolas Cage's character is a, is a lumberjack in this movie and he's okay. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, but it has the, the this beautiful shot with the uh, the epic song Starless by King Crimson over over the the beginning and it is just breathtaking it, and, and it really sets this ominous tone uh, for the film and uh, and if you've never heard the song Starless, there's a Starless and Bible Black is the name of an instrumental by King Crimson but they have a, a song called Starless. That's kind of like a sequel to the starless and Bible black, um, song. I don't, you know, but they're King Kerms and they could do whatever the hell they wanted to, um, you know, cause they're a great band. So one of our friend PS Mueller's favorite acts. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so, uh, if you, in I know Michelle, you've seen Manny and Joe, I think you watched it, but you, I think it left you cold. Are you there? I'm least, sorry, I was muted. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, which one? Uh, Mandy. Mandy. With Nicolas Cage. It's the trailer I just played.
9: Yeah. Um. I'm not sure I did.
3: Yeah, I I think you might have watched am... it, but you were nonplussed by it, or you you, you oh, did, okay you, you got confused by the plot or something. I mean, because it, it does meander a bunch of different ways, but it's beautiful. I get confused very easily. Visually stunning though. <laughs> um. So oh, yeah. And and just has a lot a lot going on in it and you know but again with cosmic horror things go sideways a lot
4: and one damn sweet axe
3: oh yeah and a chainsaw duel I love that so um yeah so the last thing I want to play while we still have a couple minutes is uh, here it is we got the trailer for. Uh, Hellraiser 2022, uh, coming to Hulu on October 3rd, looks really good. And again, if you want the latest in cosmic horror, this is the one. Beautiful, isn't
1: it?
8: It's really nice. You can hold it. (laughs) What is it?
6: It's a
3: puzzle. And it's almost finished.
7: Keep going.
8: So, if
1: I solve it, do I get a prize? I do.
5: Six sides, six configurations. It opens up, and it cuts you. And then they come to collect. It's time. Greater delights.
3: freaked out (laughs) the trailer is so creepy and it shows some new looks at some of the the new Cenobites. and wow the design is creepy the cgi is flawless because they um the one Cenobite has like just not all of the cenobite is there you know like you would normally have the back of your head and this doesn't have the back of its head <laughs> you know <laughs> um so they're they're just absolute walking nightmares uh it's it's uh, uh truly terrifying looking and i
4: i love the animations on the new element configuration too it, it just is so seamlessly uh grotesque it's it's cool
3: yeah it's uh but yeah i i saw that when i was doing a search for all the trailers tonight i found that i was like all right well let's let me play something to be excited about uh that we haven't seen and you know going into halloween we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, a lot of movies that are being released onto streaming michelle that uh haven't been available until you know now
4: oh yeah and I love this time of year and and I do I love the body sculpting of 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 the new pinhead I mean mm-hmm. it is extraordinary
3: it's gr- it's gruesome 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 so and uh and I forget the name of the actress but uh this is a uh, you know uh kind of groundbreaking that uh, pinhead will be played by a transgender woman uh so you know there you know this is uh, good and she was a cast member on oh what was that netflix show that oh man i can't remember the name of it. i didn't watch it but it was there was a sci-fi show a lot of people were angry that it got canceled early and they they did a movie to kind of tie up some loose ends oh, i can't remember the name of it. it Saved my life um but uh yeah so you know representation is good um and uh, even you know, and horror has been uh pretty progressive in that respect uh through you know over the years uh you know if you look at uh John Carpenter uh uh you know uh used was using a lot of uh black cast members in a lot of his films as it was George Romero uh you, you know black leads in uh many of his films uh including what made him a big success uh, uh night. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead. So,
4: and American Horror Story has been using non-binary and and transgender mm -hmm. people in it for a while too, which is amazing. There's some great actors, actresses, and actors that have come out of that, and they're getting their their moment in the spotlight now. And uh, like uh, Desire from uh, Sandman.
3: Yeah, Uh, exactly. So you know, and that that's where. That's where sci-fi horror comic book movies things like that we they they need to lead the way um because you know I mean if you look at how comic books tackled social issues back in the day uh, drug abuse uh civil rights things like that um you know it's it's uh comics have always been ahead of the curve with uh, uh tackling issues in a serious manner and so have a, a lot of You know, movies, Uh, you know, again, um, with John Carpenter's movies, uh, with They Live, and of course, the movie The Stuff that was that you talked about consumerism, capitalism, um, and the evils there, uh, thereof, and you know, criticizing the system. Uh, it's it's all there, uh, and that's you know, it's going to keep the genre more interesting the more they uh tackle important social issues and uh and help. Um, to educate the public that guess what? Just because somebody's not like you doesn't mean they're bad, you know. Unless they wear Correct. a maga, unless they wear a maga hat, then they're bad. Uh so sorry, <laughs> I said it. <laughs> uh but it's true. It, it, it is, uh, you know. When people tell you who they are the first time, uh, belie- uh, believe them. Um, Maya Angelou, right? Mm-hmm. So, Maya Angelou. I I know I butchered the quote, but it's okay the sentiment it was close enough yeah. you got the uh, the spirit yeah so alright uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up thanks again uh, to Miles for uh, his contribution tonight about the Yamato Yamato, uh, or Yamato uh, and of course uh, Joe thanks for the uh, uh, Umbrella Academy we'll talk about season 3 next week but what do you got on the way out
9: Uh, the, well like yeah season 3 will involve sparrows uh oh Think Uh-oh. about that. And um Spangoolie Halloween Bonanza begins tomorrow. As we, as we said. The bu- the the month-long Svenguli Halloween Bonanza with uh it starts with the uh, trilogy of terror. Uh-oh. This is a good one. Made for TV movie.
5: Yeah,
4: don't miss it.
9: Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the Tim Cormell show. We're gonna have some fun with uh, some of the things Maggie Haberman didn't mention in her book that we discovered. When I... Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. One of them is uh, what's in the uh, what's in Ivana's coffin.
3: What's in her coffee?
9: Ooh. Coffin.
3: Coffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she was she was buried. She
9: was cremated, but buried in a full coffin. On the golf course,
3: because that makes sense. Because that makes no sense. I think she was buried with the nukes. Oh, the nuclear.
4: I like that picture. I like
9: (laughs) it. I thought you would. That's a little spooky,
3: one, isn't it, Michelle?
4: It's a good one. Yes. Yeah.
3: (laughs) All right. Uh, And uh, anything else, Joe? That's it. All right, Michelle. What do you got?
4: All I can say is, if, if you are mad at Neil Gaiman for putting uh, hobbits and elves into the Lord of uh, into the, uh, the 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 Rings of Power uh, TV series on uh, Amazon Prime, and because because they now have dark skin and they, they they might be black hobbits and they might be black elves, just remember, Neil Gaiman had nothing to do with that series. Stop and, it you twits.
9: <laughs> and I would also remind you that there's no such things as elves, or orcs or any of that. Or it's hobbit, all fantasy. Right. Or
4: habits.
0: It's well all said. fantasy. And yeah. stop
4: it with the mermaid stuff too. It yo. Know, there ain't no mermaids. Mermaid.
0: <laughs> all right. Bye everybody. Uh, <laughs> ah, 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 ah.
6: <laughs>
0: You're some sort of weirdo.